Mr. Podcast. <laughs> boy, oh boy. That was too long. Yeah. Ben, cut, cut out the first 45 seconds of that intro. <laughs> uh, maybe. Okay, I am Griffin Newman. I'm David Sims. You might know us better as the two friends. Uh, yeah, we're the two friends. Hashtag the two friends. I really listened to episode one. I decided I really want to yeah, weaponize this You want this, to push the two friends. The two friends, I think, is a good branding hook. Which was my idea. Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. We're the two friends. We're the two friends. Uh, you might know us better as the host of Blank Check with Griffin and David. That's the podcast you're listening to. Mm. Um, hey, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Yeah. And um, good night. And good night. This is a little quickie. <laughs> this is a b- 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 bonus episode. Uh, no, we have a guest with us. We have a guest. We're, let's get I right I always just want to get the guest in really quickly because it just freaks me out. No, I like sitting, sitting here. Just he, talk he's got a lot to I'm going to sit in the corner and just stare. Yeah, he's just he's going to turn around mm-hmm. slowly. Uh, no, we have a guest with us. You're hearing his voice right now, his melodious voice. Uh, Griffin? Let's uh, trade this off. He... Keep going. Uh, he, he is a host of the uh, Fighting the War Room podcast, along mm-hmm. with last week's guest. Katie Rich? Yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get them all. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is like a Pokemon thing. We're going to catch them all. If you've been paying attention, there's certain collections we're trying to complete. Mm-hmm. So we still have a couple members from our trivia team to get on. <sighs> Almost none. Yeah, just two, I think. Two biggies. Yeah, yeah. two biggies. Uh, and we uh, we have half of the Fighting the War Room team with mm-hmm. us here. So it's, uh, he's the entertainment editor at Thrillist.com? That's correct. Yes. I was about to say, I have a real job, too. Yeah, he has a real job, no, too. Fighting the Worm is a real he's job. A, yeah. Uh, I have eight real jobs. Eight? Yeah, I can't get in them all. Um, but Eagle Eye Do you do security hush, hush. at the University of <laughs> Philadelphia? Hey, it's Franklin Field, right? I'm from Franklin Philadelphia. Field. Yeah, you're from so Philly. This M. Night Shyamalan series is very important. We it's finally true. have a we, Philly We got a Philly here native here on. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's Matt Patches. Matt Patches. We didn't say his name. Yeah. Hello. Uh, thank you for being here, Matt. Thank you for. Uh, it's my pleasure. So you twist? Can... It's not. Oh. <laughs> oh, bad twist. I'm sorry. Twisted. Is. Came oh, too hey, early. Double twist. Um, do you commute all the way from Philadelphia here for the episode? I uh, yeah, I took the train where yeah. that derailed, but I got off. And uh, well, that's I'm how here. you got here I so fast. And did you have there. an encounter with a with a, a woman and you took off your a wedding ring and uh, yeah, and she had like a tattoo or something? Guys. Was he unbreakable? Was he? Mm. Guys, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, the wait. audience doesn't even know what movie we're that's talking. True. We are about. talking about the first scene of the movie. Though. We're talking about Unbreakable. I mean, the chronological. Well, that's not true. The should... second scene of the movie, I should say. Yeah, yeah that's so, true. You got. Uh, today we're talking about Unbreakable, which is uh, Unbreakable, and it's uh, M Night Shyamalan's fourth feature film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, it's the fourth. It's the fourth, number four. But people kind of view it as the sophomore film. Yeah, because it was like, it, let's say this: it was the fourth movie M Night Shyamalan directed. It was yeah. the second quote unquote M Night Shyamalan film. Right. Yeah. After the point where that had become a brand. After the rebirth. Yes. Yeah. After the Lazarus pit. The, the, yeah, he came out of the Lazarus pit, yeah. and he had much more creative control. Yeah. Although apparently he hated how this movie was advertised, which is a common theme with M Night Shyamalan is that he doesn't like how his movies are marketed when they don't. How was do it well. marketed? Do you remember the trailers? Yeah, and, and you know, I think it was marketed as like a thriller. It's definitely shadowy. Very like very dark posters, you know, and like 
you know, glass like a poster shattering. with glass shattering and like, you know, a really, really foreboding Which trailer. Which seems emblematic of the movie. Yeah, that yeah, seems pretty good. fair. I the movie is dark and brooding. It's yeah. dark as shit. I think, he, I think he wanted it to be more of a superhero movie in its advertising and he was he thought that they were just trying to be like this is the new Sixth Sense movie which duh that's what they're gonna do man well, that's just made the Sixth Sense that's fascinating I have a lot to say on that matter but I want to do a scooch housekeeping first yeah a sco- just a scoot yeah scooch away this is episode three of I this- almost knocked coffee all over the electronics a second ago by the way but I'm yeah. who, who do you think you coffee? are Rick the intern in the trailer with a, a scene that was cut out of the movie uh, is that in the deleted scenes of Drafty? No, it's not. I got the Blu-ray. It's not fucking on there. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is the third episode of Blank Check with Griffin and David, yeah. which, which rose from the ashes Some of- would say it's the second episode. M. Night might. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some might conveniently forget our Wide Awake Praying with Anger episode, not because it wasn't good, but because it was slightly off-brand for what we are going to become. Um, built the foundation. Built the foundation. Built the foundation. Definitely, it showed a technical skill set. Deep down, though. Deep like, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The part nobody sees. Deep foundation. Um, a deep foundation. Uh, I'm gonna keep on singing. I just, did, I just made my face to Griffin, which is the all right face. On the, with it. Yeah. The on yeah. with it face. Um, no, this is important. Uh, episode three. Since mm-hmm. our rebranding as a brand new podcast that has nothing to do with the old podcast. Right. Great entry point for new listeners. Tell your friends about it. Um, we have a new theme song. Oh yeah, we have forgotten to mention. That's true because Ben doesn't play it when we're here, so I forget that it exists until I re-listen to the episodes. I'm like, oh, we should give credit where credit is due. We totally should. My God, uh, Lane Montgomery. It's just been shocking people. Yeah, Lane yeah. Montgomery, uh, singer songwriter extraordinaire, uh, a pop maestro, um, uh, better known sometimes as uh, the Great American Novel, is uh, his his musical shingle. Um, uh, wrote the theme song for us. Fantastic. We're very grateful. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Or uh, go go online onto Bandcamp and such, and uh, look for his music. Great American novel, Lee Montgomery. He's a great guy, and we are deeply indebted to him. Okay, now housekeeping I'm... done. Well, I think there's a guy we got in for this because he keeps on twisting on us every week. He's twisting on us. It's oh, true. He's in the room. He's I'm out of the here. room. Yeah, I got an intern. He only works two days a week. <laughs> All these twists, left and right, ladies and gentlemen, sitting in another room, an adjacent room, mm-hmm. not visible to our naked eyes. Is Ben Hosley, aka producer Ben, aka producer Ben, aka the Ben Deucer, aka the Haas, aka the Poet Laureate, aka Mr. Positive, aka Hello Fennel, aka the Tiebreaker, aka Birthday Benny, aka Kylo Ben, aka. Oh, you, did you say Hello Fennel? Producer Ben Kenobi. I said Hello Fennel. Yeah, the, peeper. the peeper. Yeah. The Don't peeper. forget the peeper. Don't forget the peeper. Very important. And I got a new one for you today. Okay. Oh. Okay. Ben was bragging. A I little really bit. don't think we should have a new one. Patting himself on the back when we were doing the the audio levels, how crisp the audio sounded. Oh, yeah, God. very crisp audio. Yep. So what are you gonna call him? Professor Crispy. Oh, uh, I don't like that. No, you know no, thumbs no, down. No, is that the first one we're <laughs> yeah, not? No. It's rejected. I the first one like not to stick. <laughs> okay, Professor Crispy. But we can we can refer to it. Um, I think I think it's the end of our housekeeping. Yeah. As always, you know, rate, rate review, subscribe, listen to the other UCB podcasts. We've gotten some good reviews. Lately, people seem to like uh, the the Shaman stuff. We were worried. <laughs> thank God. Um, but yeah, thank God. Ooh, wipe some sweat off our brows. Okay, unbreakable. 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 Um, hey, patches. Hey, I'm right. on this episode. Yo, oh, hell yeah. on this episode. 
Uh, I'm gonna break this movie up. Um, yeah. I didn't know that M. Night Shyamalan didn't like the marketing campaign. And that was actually one of the first things I wanted to talk about today. Okay. Because, um... Did we all see this film in theaters, uh, when it was released? I saw it with my grandma. Wow, alright. How did, what yeah. did she think? I don't remember. <laughs> I remember, I saw it in theaters and it, it, like, I found it to be an alarming and disturbing experience. Like, it freaked me out. Yeah, I saw it. I was still pretty, you know, I was 14, I think. I was like, yeah. Ugh, you know. I, saw I mean, if there was anything in The Sixth Sense that was for, like, young people right. to enjoy, it was stripped away <laughs> and unbreakable. <laughs> is this true. is lo- the this closest is to Lars von Trier yeah. that uh, Shyamalan will ever get. This is an unenjoyable film. Especially but for- But, like, on purpose. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I was 11 when this movie came out. Yeah, okay. And it immediately skyrocketed into my top 10 favorite movies of all time. What a weirdo. I Griffin's was- so weird. I mean, young, I kind of get it. I feel like young this is Griffin movie. Is the Adventures of Young Griffin. Yeah, like if you're if you're one of these Dark Knight lovers who just really are into the dark and the gritty and taking, you know, so, you know, superheroes fantasy seriously, mm. you you maybe gravitate towards the Dark Knight, or you were really into the Boondock Saints at some point. But then, like the people Saints? who are a little no. more no people who are a little more reasonable, uh-huh. but still like want that dark gritty stuff, Unbreakable. You we'll know, see, like right below crazy dark night people right, who spend all, yeah. all day on IMDb putting that at the top. I will say I like uh, Batman Begins more than Dark Knight, which I, I agree with you. A minority. I, think I it's agree a with far you. superior film. Um, I think they're both pretty great. No, I like them both a lot, but I like Batman Begins more. Um, I think it has less to do with the dark and grittiness and more that I, as an eleven-year-old, was really attracted to movies about sad, broken men. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I like The Dark Knight because it's about robot people and it's all like Michael Mann and I love Michael Mann movies. I don't know. Whatever. We don't have to talk about The Dark Knight. Yeah. I like The Batman Begins as pulpier. But anyway, point is uh, Batman Begins great. Love this movie. I had loved The Sixth Sense. I had loved Wide Awake, although even at this point, I did not realize they were the same filmmaker. Uh, that these were the same M.I. Chomlon. Hollywood has a severe lack of Rosie O'Donnell in Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Yeah, the main thematic thread he was laying down, which was Rosie O'Donnell's going to be in all my movies, loving sports, and then she isn't. That thread is not. Rosie was through. supposed to be the like De Niro to Shyamalan yeah. Scorsese. Exactly. Yes. Right. Um, I uh, very vividly remember the marketing campaign for this movie because there was yeah. a lot of hype, and this comes out. It was a lot of hype. That is for sure. This comes out fourteen months after the Sixth Sense. It's November two thousand. So, um, yeah, fifteen when the Sixth months. Sense, yeah, Sixth Sense came out August. Uh, Ninety nine, which makes he's he's shooting this while he's writing an Oscar high, right? He was direct, yeah, he was right, nominated. Right, yeah. So you said this. I was mean, a- this is the definition of like blank check of what we're talking mm-hmm. about, where they're like, okay, all right, yeah. you know, you're the wonderkin, like do what you want. When did someone stamp him with the next Spielberg? Uh, that Time that Magazine, like Time Magazine cover was signs. Yeah. That was the next movie. Okay, because the cover it where took they, Unbreakable. Yeah, the cover where they said that he was in the cornfield. That's all I remember very vividly. Where he spends most of his yeah, time. They finally up. got a glimpse yeah. of his home. Why is my Turn phone your fucking I did. Phone I don't off. know why it's still fucking doing that, David. God damn it! I Griffin. turned it off. It's on airplane yeah, mode. He's he's right. He's in the uh, he's in the cornfield. Wow. Just, yeah. Um. So you said this was a spec sale. This was a spec script. Uh, I can look up the details of it. I just want to show you guys. Yeah. It's, oh God, we'll talk there a lot about that cover next. He looks week. like he's about to star in Lost. And he's, he's wearing a, like a rope very necklace. Yeah. Uh, it's a very 2001, 2002. How many, what kind of shells are on his necklace that he's wearing there? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and he's got one hand on the hip, but like loosely, in a very like get over it poster kind of pose. Uh, um, yeah, he wrote it as a spec script. He approached Willis about it while they were making The Sixth Sense. Okay, so he already had the script. That's why I wanted uh, to know. And he yeah. had Samuel L. Jackson in mind for the other character. Yeah. He wrote it as a spec script. He gave Walt Disney a first look deal. They bought it for five million bucks. Wow. 
the script. Fucking M. Night. I mean, Six Sense was pretty darn good. They gave him another five million to direct. Wow! So he got over ten million. He got ten mil movie. before anything happened. Yeah. Um, I'd say. And Julianne Moore was cast in the third role, to and then replaced Pan- because yeah. she went to make Hannibal. Yes. Which was a that decision. Was the, what was that? Was that the right decision? I mean, Hannibal was a big. It's not hit. like Robin Wright has a lot to do. In Unbreakable, if she, you want the lead role of a movie, versus I agree. This role, it's I agree. Like throwaway. I I definitely agree. I also I it, think it's a pretty well written character though. Like it's. It, I was gonna say it's not a bad character, but of course it, it is. It's very much the third lead of this movie, and and well, it's a we'll distant third her. lead. But she, but it's got well written scenes. You know, it's not a huge pivotal role. She but it's kills. Really does well she get her husband? Doesn't she get her husband? A lot of motivation. <laughs> it's there. a simple. She kills thing. that yeah. one scene where. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like a conversation with yeah. Mr. Glass later. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. But yeah, you're right. Of course, yeah. She's very much beholden to this like shuffling like, men golem yeah. who like barely seems to have emotions. Well, uh, okay. I'm talking about Bruce Willis's <laughs> character. Oh, I thought you were talking about M. Night Shyamalan. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah. I want to I go back a little bit uh, to, to the marketing campaign. So he yeah, all right, sure. has the script ready. Sixth Sense blows up. He goes, hey, guys. Good news. I have a script right here under my butt. I was sitting on a script. Here it is for you. And they sure. go, great. Here's a check for $5 million. <laughs> and he starts production, presumably, very, very quickly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see. Uh, well, principal, no, principal photography began April 2000. So Quick turnaround. Turned around pretty quickly. I mean, so this is right after the Oscars. You don't need yeah. a lot to make Unbreakable, right? He probably He's like, true. Disney buys the script. Oh, we're making a superhero movie. Yeah. Okay, we need like $100 million, <laughs> capes. We're going to get big sep- No, dude, guys, it's Philadelphia again. <laughs> yeah. They're just going to walk around. Just get the rain machine. Yeah. You know, yeah. $1 million for like three days. I it's need you to buy fine. me five ponchos. <laughs> yeah, but there's big action scenes, M. Night. There's big Action. No, no, no. He's I just this need guy a swimming a... pool with a cover over <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> they just have to fight yeah. in the same bedroom as the Sixth Sense. Yeah. Don't worry about and, uh, it. I, we're gonna. Have, uh, there's one big expense. Okay, M Night. Anything, anything. Blank check. Anything you want. We're gonna have to make some dents in a wall. <laughs> you could blow the wall up. No, it's just like a wall in a house. We're and, gonna make a couple dents. We could, build, we could build the scenery. Do you think that's possible? But what about the train break? crash that we're playing for? No, no, no. Don't. Worry. We no. do need a train car. Yeah. But it's just normal. Just yeah. the Amtrak. In fact, yeah. just one car actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The yeah. rest of the train can function. One could say that all the inciting incidents happen off screen. The big <laughs> accidents in this. So, film. Hey, the, they but, you know paid for that aerial shot though. That's true. Yeah. And they had to hire a stuntman for Samuel Jackson to fall down a. That's of true. Stairs. Samuel Jackson just fall down a flight of hey, stairs. You know what? Glass canes don't grow on trees, guys. <laughs> We're jumping around here, but I just right. before I forget We're... this, I saw a credit that really jumped out to me. Samuel Jackson famously has a hair guy he works with. As as a man who is, you know, let's not say follically challenged, but is perfectly bald. Um he has a hair guy where every time he takes on a role, he's like, Okay, I want to design a new look. Mm-hmm. Between facial hair, between the hair in my head, he's whatever. He's got it Frederick is. Douglass hair in this. Yes. Yeah. But you notice he never repeats a look. I, I, no, well, you know, he's bald a lot, but sure. Not that often. I know, I know. That's what's crazy. It's like almost always there's something where it's like, oh, Looper, I'm going to have gray hair. You know, yeah, he definitely has all kinds of hair for a guy who doesn't have any hair. Right. And he like, that's the first thing when he signs on before he figures out the costume, he goes to his hair guy. And I never noticed this before, but in the credits as they roll, and I assume this is the same guy he works with because he says in interviews that like, I worked with him for 20 years. I assume this is his guy and that guy M. Night Shyamalan brought on for this project. Samuel Jackson's hair, the name of the guy is Robert Louis Stevenson. Fair enough. <laughs> is it Louis like L-O-U-I-S? Like it's spelled exactly the same way. How bizarre. Um, okay, marketing campaign. This is what I remember. I might be mistaken, but I feel pretty strong about this. Uh, I was a uh, M. Night Shyamalanic. 
at at the point uh, that this film was released. Mm. Um, so I was like, you were a eagerly awaiting a nighty. Yeah, uh, shout out to all our blankies out there. Uh, eagerly awaiting the release of this film, looking for any morsel of, of pre-release, you know, info, marketing, whatever. The poster was their two faces, shards of glass. I don't even remember what the tagline was, if there was one, but it was very ominous. Very I don't sparse. know if there was a tagline. I well, think there wasn't. I think it, the tagline was look it up. from the director of Sixth Sense. I think yeah. that's all you needed for a movie at No, that no, point. not from the director of the Sixth Sense. From M. Night Shyamalan, the director of the Sixth Sense. He, he was very, a brand he name. his name on there. He was a brand name at this point. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this film had only one trailer. Only had a teaser. Wow. Didn't have a full trailer. Because I remember the entire superhero thing being sort of a surprise going into the film. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was, it's not a twist. It was a gentle uh, easing into. Yeah, especially because the movie opens with those crazy titles about like 100,000 comic books are read every day or whatever. And like 14 billion pages. I was not prepared for that. Yeah, that DNA is not in the marketing at all. It's just like a brooding thriller. There is a tagline way down at the bottom of the poster, very small type. Is it they're alive, damn it? Is it uh, Izzy? <laughs> Are you ready for the truth? Oh. Question mark? Yeah, that's yeah. very vague. Not not much of a tagline. Uh, this is the teaser trailer I remember. It was the scene of him talking to the doctor after the crash. And he's like, are you sure you're on the crash? Da, da, da. Do you know why I'm asking you? Why are you asking me this? Two questions. In the second, you're going to be the only survivor and there's not a scratch on your body. And then there were a few quick shots of things. And then it cut to a close-up of Samuel Jackson, a voiceover you hear him say, are you ready to find, uh, hear the truth? Are you mm-hmm. ready to find out what you're meant for? And that was the whole trailer. Piece of glass breaks, the shards turn into unbreakable, right? Yeah. That was the full trailer. And it felt like, okay, spooky M. Night thriller. Right. Like, it's not a horror movie, but it's about a guy who can't get hurt. What, right. What's it's going like, it's on like here? It's a scary phenomenon. And the truth, Ooh. yes. Right. And not, which it was a recent release-ish, right? Phenomenon? I think that's it's about like 96, 96, 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A touchstone picture. Okay, go on. They were keeping it in the family. A film history, he means. It's like- it was a Touchstone yeah, yeah, yeah. picture released touchstone. by Touchstone Pictures. <laughs> I'd say probably the Touchstone- Touchstone wants all of its pictures to be Touchstone Pictures. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, Outrageous Fortune, people think about that as like a real turning point in American <laughs> cinema. in uh, film school. Touchstone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. Hello. Um, What's your point? Yeah, you saw the trailer. It was a thriller. <laughs> what is your point my, No, my Griffin point was is- spooked. Yeah. My, my point is- <laughs> uh, you know, at this point, M.I. Shyamalan was the twist guy. Yeah. And I think they were keeping a really sort of, like, tight grasp on this movie to make it, like, a twist movie. Like, audiences weren't going to know what they were going to see. Yeah, they were They were definitely playing on the, like, uh, this is the guy who made the big twist movie that was a scary movie. Yeah. This is the poster. You guys know the poster, right? Yes. I do. I do. Yeah. It's intense. It's intense. And Sam Jackson is, like, a big deal, you know, He's not like he is well, now he where had he's just, just seen everything. Well, he had just been in Star Wars Episode One, Sure. So he was huge. But yes, but he was a little less And he's wearing purple again. He did. Which is key. Which is he so loves cool. purple, purple. So now he's in all purple. And you're like, they really upped the ante yeah. of this movie. The purple is off the charts. <laughs> this movie's going all out. It They're was, not just going to give him a fucking light sword. They're going to. You know, I feel like now Sam Jackson, he'll be in he'll be in a lot of movies. Back then it was like he was a leading man, like a, a coast. Like he'd be in like yes. Rules of Engagement, The Negotiator, Sphere. Like those sort of like, you know, Sam Jackson's one of your leads. He does a lot now. His like ubiquitous like presence Long in the Marvel movies makes him feel like it's easy to take him for granted because it's like, well, he's just gonna pop up in a bunch of shit and do like a scene or two. Also, the Capital One commercials don't help because it just feels like anytime you turn on a screen, Samuel Jackson's doing a little something. So it's like it's the same thing over and over. But 
but he's sometimes the best. good, sometimes he's bad. the best. Sometimes Capital One, sometimes yeah, uh, he rock. But but you know, sure. uh, right. uh, our our friend and Capital your uh, podcasting uh, co-host David Ehrlich, um, uh, in this recent Oscar season has been talking a lot about Samuel Jackson, how much we underrate him as a culture, and I we do, do think it is because he is so omnipresent. Yeah, it's because yes. he does a lot, and he's so consistent. Like he's never bad. No, I sometimes agree with you're that. like, okay, I've seen this before, I get it. Yeah. But if that was the first performance you'd ever seen from a guy, you'd be like, sometimes it's like Kingsman, and you're like, oh, so his whole idea was a lisp. Like, I think that's a great performance. I think he's very funny in Kingsman. I don't know if he's why I like that. He movie. would have made my long list best supporting actor candidates for 2015. I'll wow. say that. he'd be in my he'd probably be my tenth choice for best supporting actor in 2015. I think there's other Samuel L. Jacksons from this year. I'd say that was more. I think it's maybe his third best performance of 2015. Age of Ultron? No, Chirac. He's incredible. And great, Chirac. He's incredible. Yes, but that's lead. That's lead. That's lead. That's lead. I put him. I do a double. It's a. It's a. Anyway, we're we're sidetracked. Anyway, um, another thing to point out here: Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson together have a great track record at this point. Right, Die Hard with a Vengeance and Pulp Fiction and Loaded Weapon One. Oh yeah, three classics so far. You know. So here, that's what people are coming in thinking. They're they like, "They got the loaded weapon. We had loaded weapon together? one. Right. No way. <laughs> they share no scenes in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Did they share a scene in Pulp Fiction? No, they don't. Right? No, I don't think I so. Don't I don't think so. they ever cross over. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, you've got uh, the other one. We we just Die Hard with Avengers. Die Hard with Avengers. Great in. Yeah, they're they, both yeah, great they together. Great. Yeah. great chemistry. So that's all you know going into this movie. Um, that's enough. That's a sell. So let's yeah. talk about the movie Unbreakable, Griffin. Okay. So I loved this film at the time of its release. I, for a very long time, would watch this film at least once a year. I had not seen this film, I think, since 2010. So this is like the longest stretch I've gone without seeing this movie. Okay. Um, I had not seen it since theaters. Me and Matt were talking. I've probably seen it on DVD or something, maybe in college yeah. again. Yeah. But yeah, not since, not, no memory. Yeah, no recent memory. I was going into this rewatch. I watched it last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, and I was going into it um, prepared to come here and say, "Hey, disclaimer: If I can't be really objective about this, this is one of my favorite movies. It is of all the movies we've ever covered on this show, the movie I like the most." Uh huh. Which, considering we've covered a lot of movies that we don't like, doesn't sound wait, wait, including like the original Star Wars. That's what I was gonna say. That's what I was going to say. A hundred percent. This rewatch diminished a little. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a flawed movie. It's a flawed movie. Seriously, it's not better than Star Wars from (laughs) two thousand. Exactly from two thousand to two thousand ten. Griffin would argue that this film was perfect. Right. And anyone who had any complaints, I'd be like, you are dumb. I think a lot of people agree with you because what I remember, you know, I haven't seen the movie in a very long time, but I feel like I hear about it every few Mm -hmm. years because either M. Night is being asked about a sequel Uh or, uh, you know, I feel like MTV mounted an entire campaign to, like, actually ignite sequel plans yes. and stuff. I, apparently yeah. Bruce Willis wanted to do a sequel too. He would talk about like, yeah, we want me and Sam to fight and like see Of course he wants two. to do a sequel. Yeah. It's it's, a, it's an action movie, right. quote unquote, right. with no moving around. Yeah. It's yeah. perfect for him. <laughs> this is the moment. <laughs> it's very true. Well, but much like uh, Georgie Porgy Lucas, our, our old friend with the original Star Wars, where mm-hmm. when he was writing Star Wars in 1977, when he was writing in the early 70s, oh my God. what's your point? He wrote this big thing, and they were like, this script is unwieldy. And he was like, okay, I'm going to take act one of this script and make it into a movie. 
So that's what Unbreakable, Unbreakable is certainly, yeah, it's just an origin movie. Was supposed yeah. to be, right. that was supposed to be act one of the film, and he was like, this is too big, I have too many ideas, I'll try to make it a trilogy, I'm just going to take what is my planned act one and make that the whole script. And at the time, for years, I was so angry that he never got to make the other films. That's the other big shift I had watching it this time. I was like, no, good thing he probably only made this one. Uh, yeah, yeah, well. well. <laughs> I still love this movie, but um, A, I think we would have had diminishing returns. I don't really trust him to have made the second film well. And B, it, like at the point where you make the sequel, as much as it's like, oh, come on, get to the action, it's like, won't it just then be like Blade 2? Well, yeah, I'm trying to you think know? of who would be the villains in Unbreakable right. 2 based on how like muted right. Unbreakable is. That's the you thing. Know? That's, like, this movie is muted at every turn. That's what muted. we have to talk about. <laughs> every time that it makes a choice, it makes the choice to be muted and yeah. dark and slow. Yeah. Like, sad. unfathomably... Sad. Glacially slow. Yeah, but yeah. I think sad's a big word because I think this yeah. film's very depressed it's, in a way I sad, relate. To. But that in, that implies that there's a lot of emotion to these scenes, which I would say it's muted, muted. Everything is very muted. I'm not saying like it's emotionless per se. Yeah, but yeah. It's just not over the top sad. If if you know what I mean, you know, like no one's crying. Well, you know, mostly. Well, no, Robin I Wright mean, cries. I and Bruce Willis like. Chokes up a lot. Like, Bruce Willis has, like, several glassy-eyed moments in this one. This is maybe the most he's come close to crying in one film. Yeah, it's more like crying he if cries you're a lot. lot of onions or something. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite crying because <laughs> yeah. you're upset. He like, cries a lot. Argh! I'm going to bring it up again. 12 Monkeys. Uh, the oh, scene right. where he listens to uh, Blueberry Hill yeah. on the radio in 12 Monkeys is the best Bruce Willis scene in any Bruce Willis, like, in terms of his acting and that. That's wonderful. I always forget that 12 Monkeys exist. 12 Monkeys, I've watched it, like, a million times because it was a movie I owned on VHS, so yeah. I just, you know, one of the, back in the day, pre-Netflix. Time to watch Cop Out again. Oh, we, we talked about Cop Out with Katie. Talk- what, what? What? <laughs> what a movie. I think we're going to talk about it every episode. Oh. Even now, we're out of, well, oh, so let's talk, let's talk I about. just kick the table. Let's talk about Bryce a little more, okay? So at this point. Bryce? Bryce Willis. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I saw boy. like a Stella live show like 10 years ago where they went on this rant where they were like, oh, and, and Bryce Willis, what, you think you're better than us now? And they just did like four minutes of calling him Bryce Willis and be like, and then eventually four minutes in, they paid off with like, yeah, you think you're so cool? You're going to make us all call you Bryce now? Fuck you. We're going to call you Bruce. <laughs> okay. They invented a nickname for him and antagonized him for throwing it upon us. Bryce Willis. Uh, at this point, it feels like, jokes aside, like, okay, this is the De Niro... Scorsese of right. touchstone Rosie, thrillers. You do the view. Yeah. It's Bruce now. Right, but he's going to make Bruce movies now. Okay. And this script feels, even if he had the script already, it feels like he maybe refitted it, retailored to it to Bruce. To Bruce Because we were saying last week, we think uh, Bruce Willis' performance is very good in The Sixth Sense. Yeah. But also, it's not a classic Bruce Willis character. No. It's, you it's know. No wisecracking. Right. But uh, and this doesn't have any wise cracking either. No, nobody cracks feels... wise for the 106 minute running time. Not I, once. I fucking love this performance. I think he's great in this movie. I know. I have a feeling I'm not gonna have. No, I, I think he's all right. I mean, I don't think he has a lot to do. Yeah. He's a pawn here for the mood. It's yeah, all the yeah, mood. Yeah, I, I think that he's okay. Well, I, he's good. This is what I'm gonna argue. I think it's one of his best performances, if not his best. Well, Quentin Tarantino agrees with you. Really. Yeah. Tarantino loves this movie. Tarantino says this is one of the best movies released in his, like, since 92, since he started making movies. And he says it's Bruce Willis's best performance. Yeah, I mean, I'm almost inclined to agree with that. I also think maybe Quentin 
should rewatch and see if he diminishes a little. <laughs> hey, I, I just went down a rewatch. Quentin. I went down a little, right? Because I used to think this movie was flawless, and now I just I'm aware of the flaws. This movie is not it. flawless, but what it is is meticulous. Yeah, and like very like you know, there's a lot of intent in every like in the way he frames all these shots to look yeah. like these sort of comic book frames. And, like, I don't know, the way he very, very slowly builds up this, like, you know, like, it's not even a mystery. I mean, I guess it's an art, like, this myth. Yeah. Right? Right. And so I can see that, like, you know, like, you can admire the intent of that. It is a controlled movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, hello, come on, guys, can we talk, like, well, at a human, that? like, level of discourse right. don't, here? Well, don't you think that the movie is, we should back all the way up. Let's you, back you all touch, the way you up. You touched at it before, but the opening title card is this absolute nonsense about comic book It's a collecting. Wikipedia entry, like a like, sidebar on a what, Wikipedia what? page. Yeah, Doesn't this whole movie feel in conflict to whatever that is setting up? Like someone about about comic books, about... Yeah. I mean, yeah. the movie gets into that... Uh, a little Elijah's bit. theme is about like how comic books shape us or right. how they inform what we think of as heroes. And the sense that there's some sort of connection to our past about what we're... Yeah, that's not, that has species. nothing to do with fandom. That has nothing to no, do not with comic all. book collecting and how many you will read or collect yeah. if you're obsessed with comic it books. It more seems like Shaman being like, comic books are a serious business, guys, and yeah. you should take that seriously. Like, Because right. it is it is like the end of the 90s, I guess, and nobody thinks of like comic book movies. This is November 2000. Now, remember, X-Men, X-Men had come, come out, out four months earlier. Yeah. And been, yeah. surprised everyone with like right. being a pretty decent movie that was a success. And, you know. But the first X-Men is, you know, looking back at now, especially with how much shit's it, shifted Looking back at now, it is fucking charming as shit. Oh, I love the first X-Men. Because it's like, there's like four characters. Yes. <laughs> Nothing but, happens in that movie, too. Not much It's happens. kind of the That's unbreakable of the current comic book <laughs> yeah. wave. Yeah. The original X-Men is pretty austere in it's a weird slow, way. It's moody. Yeah. And like, I mean, it's, we it's should It's pretty talk about like it dramatically, like, you know, emotionally overwrought. And the like, big yeah. plan is like Magneto's going to get in like a little platform he built on a park near the... You know, yeah. city, and he's gonna, he's gonna you know, the torch. shoot some rays. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like, the Statue of Liberty. It's the Statue of Ghostbusters. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know the Statue of Liberty from Ghostbusters too. Yeah, <laughs> she's a great actress. <laughs> Got a lot of range. Sometimes you can hang out in her torch, and sometimes Lady she can Liberty. dance down the street. Oh my! But so let, wait, let's talk about the opening of this movie. So you've got that right, and then you have like, well, I, this is what I want to say. No, because go I, ahead. I think uh, you saying that he was unhappy with the advertising campaign is interesting because I wonder if that opening title card was in the script originally. Or if after he saw they were advertising it as a thriller, he was like, "I want to get the audience primed for." See, it feels like yeah, it feels like the original idea. David, put my hand down. It it feels like the original idea that was then transformed into the movie he made afterward, which is more like Sixth Sense, right? Yes, because you can imagine a more comic booky version if this was if the whole movie was the first act of something, Mm -hmm. right? Like battling, I don't know, a man with a hammer. For a hand or something. Oh, you're talking about Hammerhand? Hammerhand. That's yeah. who's, that was the original villain of the <laughs> Dr. Hammerhand? Yeah. It's, it is, you know, he could just beat the shit out of Mr. Glass. I mean, we'll get to this. Right. <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your well, arch that, enemy. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's why there can't be a satisfying sequel. That's why the film it's has so to end weird. where it does. I mean, he had, I guess Mr. Glass is just like, a Luther type, you know, like villain from you know the background, yeah. right? Well, that's what they say at the end of the. Well, movie. maybe he gets but, a really yeah. big, strong guy to carry him around, like Baby Voldemort. Oh yeah, or know, he's like Krang in uh, in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like he's operating. Oh some yeah, sort of he hangs suit. out in the someone's gla- belly, the glass suit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the movie opens with those titles. Then we have like Mr. Glass's origin, yeah, moment, which, which is, is his birth. Fucking horrific. It is. Oh, it's exactly. really. Yeah. Yeah, you can oh, swear. You can say do whatever it. you want. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. It's really horrific. It's very. I think it's really well done. I think it's Eamon 
Eamon Walker. Eamon, Eamon yes. Walker. He's yeah. a great actor. Good actor, actor plays I the love. doctor. And and like, you know, you don't really see the baby, like doesn't look disfigured or anything, but yeah. just the whole mood of it is like really creepy that all the baby's I wanted bones to are broken. See glass baby, glass broken baby. Is that weird? I just <laughs> no, wanted to like I, I wanted just... to pick up this baby and it be a puddle <laughs> like a hanging like gack. I wanted it to look like gack <laughs> with <laughs> kind of some bones around it. Be like, baby. We gotta put this back together. I feel like that would come with like a He-Man toy. It was like you get a bucket of slime and it'd have bones like stuck into it, like little plastic. Yeah, bones. the unbreakable toy line yeah. actually had that originally, yeah, it but was you didn't purple uh... gack with bones in it. <laughs> With bone shards. Mr. Glass, baby. That was the Mr. Glass action figure. Um, merchandise spotlight. Um, this entire sequence is done in one continuous shot with no edits. Oh, really? Yeah. I and uh, yeah, yeah. This film from the get-go, M. Night's getting showy. It's very showy with, like I was saying, with the framing of every shot. and Go on. Yes. Uh, well, he, he perpetually, over the course of the film, um, frames the characters into frames within the frames. Yeah. To resemble comic book panels. So there are a lot of scenes that are done through door frames mm. or windows or even uh, the thing on the train where it's only seen from between the two chairs. Which is cool. Very cool. But he's separating characters into separate boxes, which is, you know, often his films are about people who need to learn how to reconnect with other people. That's like the main, I feel like, overarching theme of M. Night Shyamalan's films is like emotionally repressed men who feel the need to reconnect with their spirituality, with their family, with their career, whatever it is. They have to find their connection back to their thing after being self-isolated for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all that sort of framing stuff, but it's a lot of like, this movie does not have many edits. A lot of sequences play out in just a couple shots, and he's not doing like shot reverse shot. He's doing like, here's my master, and I might cut into punch into one detail to emphasize it. But other than that, it's very slow. It's well, there's very nothing methodical. to like cut to because nothing happens in the movie, so it's not. Very you don't point. even need an insert because there's actually there's a, there are no props. There are the not movie, a lot of set pieces other than the cane. But even <laughs> something that, yeah. like the six and the poncho, poncho. But he wears it, so you can always get that. Yeah. Six sense, which uh, is also you know pretty methodical, yeah. and deliberate. Within dialogue scenes, he'll cut between two close-ups. No, no, and this I movie agree with you. Does it's it. somewhat showy, yeah. and like I love that. I mean, I don't love is too strong, but I think the train scene is suspenseful. Yes, in a cool kind of way, where you know, even though it is like, oh, look at this creep, like hitting on this lady, like yeah. taking his ring off, and you know, it's not a great way to be introduced to Bruce Willis's character. That tells you a lot. No, I know, but like, yeah. but there is a lot of suspense where you're like, what is what is going to happen here? Like, right. it's not cutting, and where you know, the movie is very suspenseful just because you have no idea where. Yeah, not yeah. like you can't because really... you're on the edge of your seat because of something internally with the movie, right? But even I'm thinking after the train wreck, he's sitting on the on the hospital, on the and then the blood is spreading on the like gauze in front of yeah. him in like the sort of. Yeah, and that's uh, another like frame within a yeah, frame yeah. where we're seeing right. someone get operated on, right, right. and you're just like in the what foreground, the out of focus. Is, what is, going on what is this? Movie? That is that is how I feel about most. Where you're like, I love it, and I guess that's fulfilling if you can pay off and not yeah. really. Uh, you, yeah, you, you, can, you can stick the landing in some way. All of that mystery is valuable. It. Well, yeah, I mean that's why I'm so surprised that he wanted the marketing campaign to reveal that it was a superhero movie because I feel like the whole movie functions on this sort of idea that the audience has no idea where it's going on a scene-to-scene basis, you know? What kind of film it is, even. Um, and even watching it now, it's still, like, we fucking, we've seen it before, we know. But it still does feel like there's such an air of unease, yeah. even if spooky things aren't unease happening. Unease is a good, certainly, way to put it. Unease yeah. is, That's like, the, the thing. But look at these three opening sequences, right? And like, you are also, like, this is the Sixth Sense movie. 
guy. I think the whole time you're like, oh yeah, what, right. what, what, I'm waiting what's he for do? it. Yeah, is Misha Barton gonna show up again and barf <laughs> all over yeah. everyone? Yeah. That'd be such a good twist if every film had Misha Barton <laughs> barfing on somebody. God, and he had to just keep going to it, even as Misha Barton's career craters. He's like, Misha, we're getting you in. There was a point where she would have gotten the end, where she had gotten yeah, big, right. <laughs> and they would have had to put her above the title. And then there's a point where he's like, I'm doing it as a favor. Misha's been there with me since the early days. Um, those three sequences are all really, really showy. Yeah, cinematically. It's a director being like, okay, I'm going to fucking use my tricks now. And we've always talked about Well, always. also being like, I have your attention. I, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm going to I'm going to lead you down. You got to follow Just me now. Just based on my name, like right. I mean, here I have the the title card. Right. No Marvel executive would allow any of the no. artistry. Nope. That's that the takes thing. Place in this nope. Movie. That's the thing that's most fascinating. <laughs> you know, so he has that title card written, produced and right. directed by M. Night Shyamalan. I just yeah. screenshotted it just cuz it just amuses me. Yeah. That's right over his right his, over Bruce Willis's Bryce face, Willis. sleepy Bruce face. Willis. Um, um, all three of these sequences are showy. We've talked a lot about how Shyamalan, but there's no train crash. Like we no don't see crash. a train crash. Um, we've talked a lot about how Shyamalan was like a child of Spielberg, and I feel like Spielberg's uh, strongest skill as a filmmaker, the thing that I think puts him over the edge, is that he is ingenious with blocking. Like he knows how to block scenes and block characters within a frame, and you know. Uh, sync the car- uh, camera movements with character movements and everything so there is an economy of shots he can tell as much as he possibly can within the fewest number of shots possible and action informs character movement informs character from all of that and this is like him doing that to like the nth degree but like really kind of cramming it in your face where the opening thing with the baby being born he uses like there's a mirror against the wall yeah. So it's like the other, her coworkers are standing in the door frame. The doctor walks in. He's going between the mirror and flipping the camera around so he can like yeah, no, get both uh, people's yeah. responses in one shot because they're facing very the same well direction. Done. It's something. You, it's something you don't see today because we don't make these medium budget right, movies right. anymore where you have enough money and enough time to compose and light. And, and yeah. But then you know it's either now and, he's making low budget movies he would right. never be able to do this and or big budget movies you'll never have the artistry. And it's this movie's true. beautifully lit. It's it's yeah. very it's shot by Eduardo Serra I think. It's a, a great yeah. one of the greats. Um, the main character of this movie is James Newton Howard's music. Music is terrific. And I think very thought through. I think they wanted, yeah. they were like, let's make this moody superhero score. Here's the thing I remember distinctly, because uh, the Unbreakable soundtrack's kind of my jam. I listen to it all the time. And uh, when I'm trying to like pump myself up and feel like a hero and like I'm going to save my marriage, I listen to the Unbreakable score. Um, he gave the script to James Newton Howard before they started filming uh-huh. and asked him to write themes so that he could work sequences knowing emotionally what the music was going to play like. So I believe James Newton Howard had the Mr. Glass theme and the Mr. Poncho theme <laughs> set. And he was like, okay, these Monsieur are my jams. Poncho. Yeah, Monsieur Poncho is his name. <laughs> um, you know that thing where they say, like, you know, whatever you see, your first interaction with sexuality as, like, a child, like, forms you in some way where it's, like, your where fetishes. Where is this going? You're gonna yeah, see, I can't wait. You're going to see. But you know what I'm saying? It, like, ties into, like, <laughs> oh, like, this person, the first person you saw naked was a redhead, so you like redheads or feet or whatever I didn't know that they said that, but okay, sure. There's, like, something of, like, okay. if you have a formative experience at a young Griffin age, you saw Bruce Willis' bald head. What's your point? And now I, I, I shave my genitals <laughs> based off of Bruce Willis. My point is, I was watching this movie, and I was like, God, this movie does almost everything I like cinematically. Like, mm. it it follows all the principles where it's like I like a minimum of shot of uh, edits. You know, I like camera movement. 
blocky, all this sort of, like, uh-huh. the style of the film is very much how like, I like films to be directed. Is that because you saw Unbreakable in a That's young what age? I wonder, because I feel like at is 11. chicken egg thing? Here? At 11, right? Like, I'm like, oh, director. Like, Tim Burton is clearly a director because all his characters look the same. <laughs> You know, you're when you're 11 and you're like trying to identify like, OK, what makes a director a director when I'm watching right. a movie and I can't see the director? Right. I'm like, all his sure. characters have dark circles around their eyes. He's a director. <laughs> I get the through line between all his movies, you know, and like Joe Dante, I was like obsessed with small soldiers. I was like, OK, he makes movies about little things that terrorize big people. <laughs> Got Auteur. it. Auteur, right? He is. Like those were like my favorite. Dir- oh, he is. He's one of my favorite directors. So but those were like two guys who jumped out to me in early age. It's like, OK, I'm seeing like through lines. And then M. Night Shyamalan, I was like, I'm seeing cinematic language in like a very basic way as like an 11 year old. I was like, this movie is clearly directed. And I'm paying attention to like that scene where he's speaking to the doctor. The fact that it's like, you, you don't see what they're do operating Do you see a lot on. of repetition, not just in, well, it's not repetition, but he obviously evolved from Sixth Sense to here. And yes. it's more composed and it's, it's I think also trusted himself. Yeah, more. definitely. Yeah. Um, but. I think he repeats himself a little this movie, like trying to, you know, mirror Sixth Sense. Like the whole gun scene when yes. his son pulls a gun. I'm like, wait, this is exactly, yeah. watching it again, it's exactly what yeah. happens in the, the opening Donnie of Sixth Sense. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of just like the walking around Philly and that kind of stuff. Which, is- which I like that stuff yeah. better. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and I also, I think the scene with the doctor is a little obnoxious where it's like, it's it. well done, but at a certain point you're like, Okay, we get it. The train crash. He's not injured. You know, the doctor's like, and you're sure you were on this part of the train? And then you're sure. <laughs> and there's one person who survived, and he's right there. Ah, the, the blood guy. Yeah, that's the other survivor, and he's dead now. Dead. He doesn't say those but words. I also but think, it's the are movie. Are you unbreakable? Are you unbreakable, dude? And then they let him go. Questions. They let him yeah, walk he just out. Walks out of- oh, you're unbreakable, actually, but see ya. Yeah, I know. Just I, come back in six weeks. I do kind of like the idea where the doctor's like, well, Nothing wrong with you. I guess you could go. Like, you know, like, he does this a couple times in the movie, though, and I really like it where there's like something out of focus in the foreground. Our characters who are speaking are in the background. The foreground detail just looks like a compositional thing. Yeah. And then as it goes on, it's like, oh no, wait, that's an important detail. But you know, that's called an... twist making. Twist. twist. So this, yeah, okay. It's a pretzel shop. This movie, but okay. So then, I'm saying I do think this film established a lot of what I like in filmmaking in a weird way. Like going watching this again, I was like, oh, this is sort of the Rosetta Stone for me, where like I was able to identify like, oh, that's a very conscious choice to like cover with a mirror so that you it, can get both people in does one it feel shot. Textbook? Does it feel like this is a science? And I've now replicated. I've I've taken parts from all the Hitchcock and well, Spielberg yes. and taken all these parts and made this amalgamation that's using comic book language to speak to a contemporary audience. I, I think so to a degree. I said in our first episode, and I, I, I like want to keep on using this phrase, I think he's a very algorithmic filmmaker, you know, in terms of trying to get audience response, but also he just has a, obviously a very good sense of technical craft and of film language. I think we have made that point. Right. But he is definitely cribbing from the greats, and I also feel like this as movie, great artists do, as they do, I feel like this movie was him going like, okay, I'm just gonna show him like all the shit I can do. Mm. Let me do a bunch of cool stunts, you know? Like, yeah, this is his Channing Tatum uh, pony moment. Right, right, exactly. He's doing like all the moves. <laughs> Damn, Emily! <laughs> but in a movie that is Thrust. so like <laughs> austere, I'm now picturing M Night thrusting and Night just uh, doing the. Uh, the- not even the full dance. I'm just picturing M. Night fully dressed in a bedroom by himself just thrusting. Um, this is a film that is so emotionally bottled that is so austere, and he's doing, like, backflips in, like, Yeah, you no, know, that's the... Right. That's the language the of that's the, the thing. Because the movie 
I said glacial before. Yeah. We get it at the start. He's unbreakable. This is the thing. The movie spends, uh, Bruce Willis' character has to spend so much time like confronting the reality of this, even though he was in a fucking train crash and they're all dead and he doesn't have a scratch on him. I love that. I don't, don't you think in real and life he, if that happened to you, like, you'd be like, what the no, fuck? You I, you'd have a really hard time accepting it. I think the movie it. is convincing, but I mean, he goes to this other thing and he's like, have I ever been sick? And she's like, oh, I can't remember. I think Not you would, in the last few years. You, it would, you would be know. more momentum to understanding why this yeah. would happen to you. Like, I just survive. I'm unbreakable. Right. What ah! the hell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I would be I, punching I, walls or some shit. <laughs> I guess one of the yeah, right. one of the things that the movie does to sort of combat that is like he walks back into his life and you realize like, oh god, this is a guy who's like basically having a midlife crisis. Right. His job is like he's a security guard and he doesn't know what to do. And I'm unbreakable. Like, but my emotions are so susceptible. <laughs> they, are, they are in charge. <laughs> a lot of similarities. You know, his wife is basically going to leave him, maybe. His kid, I mean, there's something wrong with that, that buddy. He's, sorry, Spencer Tree Clark, but he's a weird-looking dude. Was that Ben laughing at that? Yeah. yeah. That, was ben. <laughs> that was Ben laughing. Spencer Tree Clark is like a zombie in this movie. He's got like the blackest, like you know Bobby what, Durst eyes. No, you yeah. know what he looks yeah. like? He actually looks like Haley Joel Osment, but in that scene in AI where he where puts too much spinach, yes. his yeah. mouth yeah. and his face is drooping. And I'm God, like, that scene's so creepy. Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, he he does, but he also like he he just he's always shooting Bruce this like vacant stare. Yeah, you know of this like oh you're like are you a I put superhero? on all these weights, all <laughs> all of them. Can I speak to the uh, lifting uh, scene? Yeah, because, I mean, that's basically the next big thing, right? I mean, I guess Bruce talks to Mr. Glass, who's this. We have all these scenes of Mr. Glass, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, uh, comic books. Uh, the covers are important. Yeah, that here, scene where he me... yaps at uh, at the customer yeah. in his gallery is quite funny. Killed me as a child. Uh, there's also this I'm scene. Like, so true. <laughs> they yeah. are art. <laughs> yeah. Do you see a, a Asian child with a blank expression outside and a little rocket ship that jiggles when you put in a quarter? <laughs> yeah. Vibrates when you put in a quarter. Um, no, because this is not a toy store. And uh, then he talks to Bruce Willis and he's like, you're a superhero. And Bruce Willis is like, okay, well, you're crazy. And then he lifts. So, Ben, you wanted to talk about the lifting scene. He lifts like 300 pounds, 350 pounds, something crazy. I just feel like that was such a tame scene. Like, there were so many opportunities to do, like, a fun montage. Something absurd. A fun <laughs> like, have The him... movie just suddenly kicks into a fun montage? Yeah. Like, have I him have the tiger up a place. car with this son, and they're laughing, and they go to the zoo, and he what? lifts up an elephant. <laughs> Shit like that. So, Ben, you wanted this to be just a totally different movie, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I can't. what can I say? I have big ideas. <laughs> they could be lifted by Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. Unbreakable. That scene is another scene, like we were talking about, where, like, you know, where he's keeping the camera away from the weights themselves. Yeah. And Spencer Treat, Treat Clark keeps yes. like popping off screen and then coming back on and he lifts it and he's like, oh, you put more on, didn't you? Which like Bruce Willis like, turn your head from left to right. You know, come on. Like, but, but he's seeing what we can see. Maybe, right? maybe we all OD'd movie on, on twists from M. Night in this movie because yeah, there's a lot of little twists. It's yeah. like a little Is, twist. Well, okay, we're missing, you skipped over a big part. There's a flashback to him as a little boy, he's framed in the television set. He's inside a little isolated frame, right? His mom comes up. He has a broken arm and a cast. This is Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. Yeah. Yes, yes. When he gets Ill right, and I, she leaves a comic book across uh, the street. His name is Elijah Price. I yes. think Elijah is his Price. actual yes. name. Yeah. Yes. Um, she leaves a comic book across the street, and he has to go across the street to get it. And he opens it up, and it's the camera twists, and it's clearly like a big revelation moment. She goes, "There'll be one of these here every morning if you're brave enough to go across the street and set." Do you know what I'm going to say now? I hope you're going to quote the next line. Yeah. yeah. And then she goes. I'm getting giddy here. Yeah. I hear this one has a surprise ending. 
So he's already playing with the expectations of being like, I know you guys think I'm going to fucking do that. I'm M. Night Shyamalan. You guys know. You guys yeah. know that I'm M. Night Shyamalan. And we right? should also talk about he's planting the seeds. I mean, we're going to spoil Unbreakable. Yeah. Just FYI. Everyone yeah. listening to Unbreakable podcast right now. Um, he's planting the seeds, I think, in Elijah's first meeting with, what is Bruce Willis's character? David. David, David Dunn. Dunn. David Dunn. Um, where, I know all these characters right off the top of my head. Where he says, Some like, of my best friends. You know, there was a fire in a hotel. Like, a million, billion people died. Yeah. And then there was, what was the other accident? Like, uh, there was the uh, the hotel fire. There was a plane the building crash. Plane crash. Oh, maybe that that's... was the hotel fire. Oh, okay. That's the, the hotel yeah. fire. Yeah. There's, hotel there's fire, a there's plane, plane crash. crash. Yeah. And 800 gazillion people died. Yeah. And no, and then there was a train crash. And you yeah. started, like, so I waited for the news after all these accidents for one very specific set of words. Right. right. Yeah. How do you know he'd be in There's been one Philly. survivor, and he's miraculously on high. <laughs> he's just I'll tell you why. Is someone from Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all. Yeah, come on. If, someone, if someone's going to be fucking unbreakable, they're going to be from Philly, right? <laughs> well, at the reveal at the end, I mean, not to jump ahead too much, but I just want to say, weren't there news clippings from, like, there disasters are. all yes. over the there world? There are news clippings from everywhere, but I think you're not supposed to think that he's responsible for everything. He was paying attention to those. Like, oh, he's, okay. he's the he Philly wing of the Disaster Makers Corporation. Spectre. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> it is very Spectre. Yeah. It's like, ah, crisis in Malaysia. Ooh, yeah. dictator yeah. assassinated in Myanmar. I like. am the architect of all of your natural disaster. Um, so but, th- in the scene in the office where he's explaining all this to him, mm-hmm. behind him is a big, like, Egyptian tablet yeah, like, yeah. of, like, hieroglyphs. And then, like, paintings of, like, the Virgin Mary. Like, all these different artifacts yep. from, like, history. And I was like, oh, that's kind of clever. It's like, this is the through line in history yeah, of, like, how right. we tell stories and myth and how these things. Well, he we... says that. Well, okay, Out and loud. then he said it. I forgot that he had the line of dialogue. <laughs> I'm so smart. Look at me looking at the background. <laughs> and I'm pick, really picking up on so the subtext. It was so annoying to Oh, wait, oh, there it is. Because <laughs> I forgot he had the line of dialogue. And I was like. He's like, ah. Yeah, I was like, nice directing M. Night. And then he felt the need to literally name off everything Look, on the wall. And it was like, just fucking trust yourself he's a little not a more. a subtle writer. And I don't need him to be. That moment yeah. just drove me a little crazy no, because it's you. like, you're doing the work. You don't have to give us the answers afterwards. Okay. Okay. But then there's the bench pressing scene. Right, which I love. It's, it's a good scene. It's, again, really tense. Would you agree, Matt? Like we, like we were saying about the train scene. Like, it's just tense because you're like, what the? You know, it's so foreboding and like oppressively dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just feel the movie clenching. Yeah. All yeah. It's a clenched movie. And you feel the like that you feel the weight of it. You feel the weight. I was going to yeah. say yeah cuz like it's not like Bruce Willis is just like, you know, yeah, balancing these on the end of his pinky. Like yeah. it's hard, but he can do it. And you get the sense of yeah, like he's something still squeezing. Right. You get the sense of something like building up that maybe like this, you know, like it's like the start of a uh, of I an evolution. It. Like what's uh, also I love that it's not just like, oh, he can suddenly lift up anything. It's like uh Elijah Kelly, uh Elijah Price. Elijah Kelly was the star of uh Hairspray, Hairspray. and the Wiz Live. Uh <laughs> Elijah Price says to him, aka Mr. Glass, um, you know, when he goes to the stadium with him and he is able to identify the guy as a gun. And he's like, have you ever tried developing this ability? And he's like, developing an ability? What the fuck are you talking about? Sure, right. And the weightlifting sequence is sort of like, oh, maybe there isn't a cap on how strong he can be, but he still would have to build it up. Not like he'd have to build up muscle, right. but he, he has needs to, a like, training montage. Right, he can't literally just pick up a building right now. He needs to, like, Matt, you're talking go about grab it. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> you guys, again. Okay. Well, actually, I found this more satisfying than... I thought about the, the Spider-Man uh, like origin, yes. I have powers scene. Yeah, and this is much more fulfilling watching someone go through the like right. slow mm-hmm. process yes. of learning. 
but but also but what you said. We should also say this is an origin movie before there had been a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you know we're not quite as tired, at least in two thousand, of seeing this play out where we're like, we get it, he has powers. Let's get to the new thing. I'm Come actually on. thinking, has had there been any origin stories? Because Batman eighty nine already Batman, Superman, Superman kind sort of, of kind of already they do a major yeah. flashback yeah, like to a his childhood. Brief, like That's he lifts true. up the car when he's a baby. Yeah. Well, there's uh, no learning power. He's like, I can already run in high school. I know right. that I'm Superman. right. And X Men has like you know the singer movie has like a. A brief like rogue origin. Yeah, rogue clip, is the closest thing it. to an origin. You in know, the everyone film, else has not. already I thought got rogue their powers. Knows that if she touches people, she's just on the road because no. But there's, no, there's, there's a, a flashback kissing to the boy. her kissing Remember, the boy. Remember, that's the sort of first oh. thing where she's kissing a boy and then he sucks. So sad. He sucks. Uh, she sucks the life out of him. Mm-hmm. And he, but he sucks too. He, he also sucks. sucks. That guy's a fucking basic bitch. That guy's a basic bitch. Um, uh, as you said, you actually feel the weight in this scene. I mean, and this was another said. thing. Oh, Matt said that. Both of you said. Both you of you were, were very smart. Said. Well, say he touched on it, and then I, I we, am we, like Shyamalan it, and I was sure. like, I'm just gonna say this. Out loud. I'm gonna tell you what's going on in the background. There is weight in the weight scene. <laughs> um, weight I, in the weight scene. I, as an 11 year old, and this movie was a breakthrough for me in a number of ways because this is also like an, a quote unquote adult movie about like still little boy stuff. I was interested in. It's like, oh, it's a superhero movie done like a serious drama. So I was like, I feel like an adult watching this. Mm-hmm. Um. I do remember distinctly, and it stuck out to me even this time, like, oh, this doesn't feel like a movie scene. This feels like real life in that, like, these clearly aren't dummy weights. I'm not saying they were making him no, lift yeah, an I actual get, yeah. 500 pounds. But he's lifting but something. His face turns totally red while he's doing it. There's, like, a big vein popping out of his forehead. You know? Like, he's, like, really, you feel the pressure of it. Bruce Willis is, like, giving it. And this movie felt, like, very... um one could argue, I wouldn't, but it seems like you guys lie on this, you know, side of the Rio Grande line a couple times in this film. Go on, uh, you know, a uh, little too concerned with process. Yeah, with slowly yeah, delving right. into every moment. But I'm a sort of detail obsessed guy, and as a kid, I was like, yeah, I just want to watch them put on ten pounds at a time. Like I, I like all of that. I don't think that's the slow part for me. What not this scene specifically? I'm saying that scene principle yeah. is when he's like, I've never been. Sick, or right. I, I was the slow build you know, of he, the revelation. So yeah, the whole thing is: was he injured in a car crash that right. uh, caused him to not be a professional football player? Right, because that's what the kid tells Elijah that he's like, "Well, he was in a car crash, like you know, that's yeah. like, strike one." Right, and not well, we good, know Dave. that he faked it back then, and right. he knows that he faked it back then. So right. hey, you I are know. a superhero, dude, and you know it. And this is the thing: just Shaman, get over it. Shaman is trying, I guess, to sell us on the idea that he's somehow repressed all of it. Right, like yes. that he somehow right. just kind of like ignored the fact that he's always sick. I never, he's, he's always sick. Yeah. No, that he's never been sick. That yeah, that he pretended to hurt himself to fall in love with his wife. I guess yeah. or what you know, like that's how you fall like in love. football. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I guess that's it. And then there's the water thing comes in like the thing really is a child late. That comes in late. Yeah, two, th- th- two things about weird. the water thing. One. Why does this happen again in science? I know. Two successive movies. M. Night hates Sh- water. Shyamalan really has a problem with water. But I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. From Philadelphia, we in Philly, most people say water. Water. Now, this water. Is, right. does not yeah. happen in Unbreakable. Very But I wonder if M. Night Shyamalan hates water, water because he says water and everyone in Philly says water. And he's like, fuck you, So Philly. it's a meta commentary on- Stop saying water. Yeah, it's no water, one, no one needs assholes. There's a movie Man, all about movie. water. Matt, tell, <laughs> yeah. him, yeah. Matt, tell him how uh, you guys uh, ask for Italian ice. Uh, water ice. Water <laughs> ice. I'm water sorry. Ice. Water ice. Water I'm, ice. Not, uh, I'm not Philly enough, I will you know, say. Okay. Well, I was going to say- There are no hoagies in this movie. There are no scra- There's no scrapple. There's no eagles. Yeah, but Come he on. loves Patter these Gino's. city streets. There's you no can bagels. tell. 
I mean, Philadelphia is like a like a character in this film, you know. I do like when I see a filmmaker who clearly like is attached to their home. There's like a certain affection you can see with just how they shoot like a basic street corner. Like I do watch this movie. But he's not going to like different parts of Philly. He's going to kind of rich person Philly. I mean, I guess there's some in the neighborhood that they're. I'm not saying he makes Philadelphia look great, but I do see like a familiarity there where it's like this guy knows Philadelphia. He's shooting Philadelphia like he knows these streets. He knows some of the streets of Philly. I just think it's a little weird that the the music in this movie ends up having like a beat. Yeah, I hate that. As if it's more street Mm -hmm. or something. That starts getting offensive to me and like a misunderstanding of Philadelphia. In the very opening, like the opening credits, they use like the beat. There should have been a And then it drops out. There should have been. God. God. Oh, God. Imagine if Bruno, remember uh, Bruce Willis did a couple albums as Return of Bruno, where he was uh, playing that harmonica? He could have done like a sort of like scat over. Just waiting this out. The unbreakable theme. Uh, on Brun- who would have no, been? Who would have done the Unbreakable rap in two thousand? Someone from the Wu Tang Clan because they fucking love superheroes, mm. like Ooh. you know the Rizzo or something. Or Cisco yeah. would have done was be called the Glass Song. Let anyway. me break right. that glass. Negative uh, ten points. Least funny joke of all That's the time. Worst joke. I, I'm gonna have to actually cut that out. Uh, no, keep it in, but dock me ten comedy points. So, uh, wait. Well, so then there's this scene where we were talking about, like mm-hmm. where. Elijah thinks that David like has ESP or whatever and can like sense that there's a gun. He chases after oh, yeah. this. He's he got walks Spidey after. Sense. It's the slowest chase scene that then ensues. You know, David's oh, like, I, love eh, it. I don't he know. He doesn't I even get he, him. He doesn't even get him. David's just like, I thought that guy might have had a gun, and the guy walks away. You know, yeah. David does security at a at what's the stadium? Franklin Field. Franklin Field, at which is U-Pen. like the U Penn. Yeah, right. yeah. It's the, the oldest football field in America. I think. Really? Yeah. Um, and that's cool. That's a cool like location. Like, I like those scenes. Yeah, well, yeah. like you guys were saying, uh, I think two episodes ago, he just has a knack for locations. The yeah, he's got good knows where to set his movies. And I even like when Elijah goes into his car before he sees the guy walk out and chases him. The car's all padded like leather, which is like, oh, okay, practical concern, of course. Like, he's got this vintage car, and it's full of, like, padded, like it looks like a uh, insane asylum because, it like, okay, if it crashes, he's got to, you know. He's yeah, right, he's got this crazy, times. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also does look like a great supervillain, like, mobile. Like, it's like. It does, yeah. Mr. Glass's pillow car, <laughs> you know? But you, wait, you I would have bought that. The Kenner, like, yeah, pillow car. But I, I wanted this chase scene. It's the best scene in the movie. I mean, maybe. No, it's well, a good scene. That's the best scene yeah. in no, the movie. No, but it's a good scene. It's a good, it's scene. good scene. It's a good scene. The thing where he walks after a guy and yeah. you're still like digging your fucking hands into it because they do a good job selling that Samuel L. Jackson can't fall down. Like, yep. before he falls down, you're already like, this guy can't fall down. That's yeah, not good. he fucking good. broke bones in the womb, motherfucker. And he's like walking after this guy and yeah, he chases him down some subway stairs. He falls, his glass cane shatters. <laughs> do we see Mr. Glass on the floor after that? Yeah, fall? we see him kind of upside down oh. almost because he gets yeah. that. He should have been like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. it all yeah. around, like what? knotted up and Jackson, broken. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson literally in knots. Jackson, who I will say has a very unique like scream. Yeah. Know, and he has the scream in Revenge of the Sith. And yes. you know, like that. I love it. Um, he does that scream. That's that sells. You know, that's that's yeah. him selling the the bones. I think, and uh, and of course he does catch a glimpse. This guy had the gun that Bruce Willis. Like that's the final. And then Bruce Willis goes like fifty percent chance most guns we just which is blind. nonsensical. Come on, Bruce. You know, um, come on, David. This does feel like another moment where he's like explaining the hieroglyphs behind the head, where it's like, oh, Mr. Glass falls over, and then his glass cane falls over, and you hear the bones crack, and then you see the oh, glass right. shatter. He's made of glass. Oh, they're the same. He and the cane are one. They are but one, David. Yeah. 
Woo! Unbreakable. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then he becomes a superhero at some point. Right. Then what happens? I was gonna say. Right, that's the thing. Like, so there's this stretch in the. It like, sort of sets up all the bits. The third of four acts basically yeah. Yeah. is him just hanging out with his family, right? Because Mr. Glass goes into rehab, right. and meets his wife. Whoa! Did he plan it? Yeah. Uh, right. Who no. is like uh, <laughs> his wife's like a physical therapist. Yeah. Right, perfect. Right. And um, that's where he puts together in like a somewhat leading dialogue scene. Yeah. Oh, he faked the football accident injury thing. Yeah. Elijah puts that together because he realizes she hates football. Mm-hmm. That's when that's when the movie comes to a halt. I mean, I guess I'm kind of into Robin Wright. She's Pen good. And, Love and, it. She's and good. Bruce going Love on a date. It. That's cute. And this isn't her it's really a first date. They have to start over. Oh my again. god. The date so seems beautiful. okay. Although it really reminded me of the Sixth Sense date scene yes. where he's a ghost. It's a very similar plot line. <laughs> yeah. It's really. Well, also, the, it's it's dimly lit. It's mm-hmm. golden mm-hmm. in the background. It looks exactly the same. She might be wearing red. I don't know. You know, uh, we said last week that like Sixth Sense doesn't really do right by Olivia Williams because by the nature of the twist, she does get she to have scenes interact where she interacts with, with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This movie feels like a mea culpa, but to a different actress. A little actress. bit, yeah. He's like, I'm going to make another but, movie about a marriage on the rocks, but this time the woman has agency because she's not not speaking I mean, to if, somebody. If you remember, this is what Robin Wright was kind of not doing much. No. You know, she had just kind of stopped doing big stuff. Like, you know, she'd had her Forrest Gump, like, sort of, you know, and then, like. That was five years earlier. Yeah. I mean, and she was sort of out of it. She, she did what? Kids. Isn't she lovely? What was she that movie kids. called? Yeah, she's in She's So Lovely. She's, she's so in lovely. Hurly Burly and Message in a Bottle, but like, you know. Yeah, but she was mostly, I think, uh, raising family. Yeah, yeah this kid. was her family moment. This yeah. is before I think she, you know, anyway, we're not going to speculate. Post- like before right. she started whole, working a lot. That whole yeah. stretch of the movie is when it gets like even more emotional because it's about the family. That's the gun, the kid pulls yeah. the gun scene out. I hate that scene. And I, I hate that, that scene's scene the too. worst scene, I, like I would say. Scene. You like that scene? To me, that yeah, scene is I like, is, is. Him overplaying his hand after, like, considering the the tone and pace well, I, of the I movie. just think this is the moment when the movie's supposed to get fun. Like, oh wait, he is a superhero, da, 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 right? Da. Right. See, and no, it's gonna get even more dirgical. And it's that's uh, the thing. I never yeah, want this movie to get dirge-like. fun. I want it to get more and more sad. Every well, scene, I want it to get sadder and sadder. Well, I mean, let's because what I like about I do like it when it gets quote unquote fun, which is when he's like, all right, I'm gonna put on this poncho. Yeah, I'm gonna go just. Rub up against people yeah, and just train touch station. strangers. That, that <laughs> scene is the groper. Is disturbing. The groper. It is. It's it, not just where like, he's seeing everyone's like dark secrets. People are getting raped and people are getting murdered. Yeah. There's like, the racial slur. There's the one where yeah. they break a bottle over a woman's head and they go go back to Africa. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a it's a little on the nose, but it's a it's yeah, a cool conception just, of a character who like. You know, almost like a Christ-like way, like feels all of our sins and our pain. His superpowers, like, kind of empathy. Yeah. And and absorbing our sins. I also and there's water. That's water. There's water. Water. Um, that scene is when they bring back the fucking techno beat, which drives me yeah. crazy because I love the score so much. The opening credits. Remember the Matrix has just come out. You know the, know the electronic music. Let's get it in the, Mr. In the score. Here. Yeah, but the rest of the score is so fucking good. You it don't is. need that. It's a great score, James. Come on. But and James also, Nudie I mean, that, so is that a 30th Street Station or whatever? Yes. It yeah. Is. I mean, that's that's a pretty cool. It's a great, like, location. Location. great location, and it's really he does a good job uh, framing him there. I think I, th- I like that. That's the best, is what I was. I'm not sure say. what yeah. time of day it is because it's always <laughs> it's the magic like, hour. It's, always like, like, <laughs> it's the opposite of the magic hour. Yeah. Daytime. Yeah. He, he took the night part of his name very literally, and he was like, "Okay, people like M Night movies. These all have to look <laughs> even night. in the afternoon." There's the M. one night scene, in the afternoon. There's the one scene where uh, David walks by his son, and the son's playing football, and he wants his dad yeah, to come oh, play yeah. football yeah. with him. 
that's, that's my favorite scene of the movie, maybe because that's, that's actual really nice. emotion. I know. That's, oh, I'm, it's cool I'm how not it's a shot football in like player. extreme distance. Like you, you know, David's like this dot fucking yeah. background thing. Yeah, and here's like a big cool dude who's right. playing with the kids, and he's like, and it's the guy and... that the lady talked about on the train. Right, wow, twist. <laughs> yeah, the, I know that is so obnoxious. But that's the same <laughs> as the fucking <laughs> hospital sequence where you right. don't realize you uh, he's important until less obnoxious. But that's like yes, it is reasonable stakes. You know, when when the movie goes and like everyone's getting murdered fucked and like uh and and but here's i just missed out on my football career i think that's more emotional for me right and i'm yeah. not really like gonna, like, be I'm gonna able lose to, my family I'm my like, son pulls a gun on me right you know? i'm failing to impress my you kid you know what i really yeah. like i like that you know what i really like in the in the gun scene i don't know if it's a perfect scene but it works for me the line i really like in the gun scene is when bruce willis is trying to talk him down and he goes like you know and i i, I feel like we were just starting to kind of become friends yeah yeah that's yeah sure He's he's so divorced so don't shoot from his me, family. Son. Right, right. He goes and friends don't shoot each other, right? Yeah. And she goes, no, no, no. Friends don't shoot. Friends don't shoot. Which I think is funny. But I also I like the use of the word friend. That like he's so aware that he's so emotionally distant that the key to so having a relationship with his distant. son is to be a friend to him. Like it's not even like a dad. He wants to like feel like his kids also. What fucking is his weirdo. setup? So he is was living in New York. But yeah, he, he was, was like a security guard. At no, he was Franklin he was Field? at a job interview to try to get a job in New York, and then he would move there. Maybe at like Madison Square Garden. Whoa. That's the idea. Yeah, you know, but no uh, job in New York is a step up from a job in Philly. I'm here to tell you. Wow, sorry, patches thrown down. What if it's um, working at a at a water purifying station? <laughs> water, <laughs> water. Yeah. Better not fall in. Yeah, hoagie plant. So okay. So then the denouement of this movie, much like The Sixth Sense, this mm. film has one big action sequence, and it is not big at all. It's like a yeah. very small set piece. But it's exciting. Yeah. I mean, again, I remember at least in the theaters, unbearably tense. Like, he, yeah. yeah, he follows this guy who has like ch- chained a family to their radiators. And then he goes there. I mean, he makes He's a it janitor so unsettling. who loves family. Yeah, right. There's that creepy scene where he is at the door. The, you you yeah. see him at the door being like, can, can I, I come, come in? in? Yeah. And M. Night's kind of doing the color thing insane. here. That was extra creepy. Yeah, was very good creepy, job, guys. guys. Uh, M. Night's doing the color thing here where like, the the film is so desaturated that like uh, Sam Jack's yes, purples stick out, but purple's like a darker, deeper base color. You know, um, you have orange jumpsuit guy. That's what I was gonna say. Orange jumpsuit. So even when he man. goes to the flashback and the guy isn't when he touches him and he sees the thing, the guy isn't wearing the jumpsuit, but he's got an orange shirt and like the rest of the image is like black and white. And you see the orange, so it's like okay, if you see a glimpse of orange in the background, you're gonna get scared. <laughs> no wonder I never wanted creepy. to wear colors as a kid. I saw Unbreakable, and I'm like. Only the cool people must, wear must desaturate. And darks. Uh, true story. Uh, orange was my favorite color until I saw this movie. I used to wear all you're orange. You're such a weird kid. I'm a weird fucking kid. What a weirdo. Orange what a weird... changed you. Orange changed me. You used to call me Mr. Orange. <laughs> so he follows the kids, David. He follows this janitor to this house. Not even a Sam Jack impression. Where he's an old man. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's tied up this whole family. It's yeah. awful. And he frees the family. But, but you know, good on you, M. Night, for making it feel dramatic. Like, there's like a real stake here. This isn't yeah. like him like stopping a burglary. Right. Because it's true. Like, every Superman movie, he's like, great, I'm Superman. And then there's like a bank robber. And he, yeah. he goes and he busts right, up I'll, the I'll bank punch robber. the car yeah. and uh, it's always, that one. It's always the same, right? The bank robber's like, I'll shoot you with a gun. That's my idea. Right. It doesn't work. And he's like, what? I, yeah. like, I like that the thing he's stopping is like the actual like real evils in the world like guys who will break into a house and chain a teenage girl to like a wall that's like that's these are the most unspeakable like up. evil fuck up. we all agree we're all anti-chaining a teenage girl just don't definitely, do it guys 100 definitely Dumb. no way and if any of our listeners are doing that let's say it formally cut it out yeah and also Stop don't that. don't rate us on itunes because we don't like sith lords 
We don't like uh, ghosts that don't villains. know that they're ghosts or orange jumpsuit villains. <laughs> Those um, are three big no-nos. But so then there's this sequence. Yeah, the sequence basically amounts to him being pushed into a swimming pool. Cool shot, the overhead of him falling into the tarp as the tarp. Yeah, and yeah. realizing. Absorbing. Right, yeah. And then so he. It's like his poncho is becoming one with the tarp. Yeah. Have we talked enough about the poncho? It's cool. So he's got a poncho that's his work issue. It says security at the back of it. Right, and which, security's almost like his hero name. Exactly, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. And <laughs> and then, yeah, he makes it like his uniform. Like when he goes to the fucking train station, it's his uniform, and then at this final sequence, it's like. It's a little obvious, like, superheroes wear capes. What's a real cape? Oh, a poncho. Cool. But I also like that it just makes him look like a shadow, you know, that's like. Sure. The whole thing. He looks sort of like a dementor from, like, uh, yeah. Harry Potter. Mm. Like he's like. And he's wearing a baseball cap over his eyes, too. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, all you see it's is It's like that. a real version of like a, a secret identity mask type yeah. You know, yeah. hero. Right. Sure. Like Matt said, like a caped hero. Yeah. It's like a very low-key, this movie's low-key, yeah. low-key, low-key, low-key. Not no Avengers. Where is Loki? Yes. Where is Loki? He's on the Should've sidelines. after the credits. Twist. <laughs> Loki Loki's sitting on a throne. <laughs> if this movie was like a huge hit, do you think you would have seen like a bunch of kids that Halloween just wearing a poncho? And their parents were like, thank God, this is the cheapest costume ever. Was this movie not a hit? It was an okay. Well, let's, let's talk about Let's that. talk about the end of the okay. film then. I think we need to talk about the reception um, a lot. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, he gets pushed in, but then the kids right, pull him out of the water. He's saved, which is nice. Yeah, so, I mean, the kids, is he it, just what is that supposed saving. to mean? I like, don't know. It's like, water, water is his weakness, but is that just literally, like, he can't swim? Is that how water is well, his weakness? Well, he's drinking it, and it's kind of, like, suffocating. Right. Well, I guess it would probably hurt no matter who you are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's an odd... Thing to be a weak, but, but everyone is is impervious to. Uh, no one is impervious to drowning. That maybe is, if it didn't hurt him, he could like rip the tarp out pretty easily because he's strong. Right, it's in, it incapacitates his powers. As Mister Glass then, phrases it, he says, uh, "We both have the same weakness. It's water. When we uh, sip too much of it, we choke. It fills up our lungs too fast." Why is Mister Glass's problem with water? Because heroes and weaknesses have the same thing. I don't, you know what his other problem you is? You don't get to see him drink Bones. Oh, yeah, he's got he's some got, problems. He's got a couple weaknesses. <laughs> um, bones. Stairs. But wait. Sharp. Wait. Uh, I'm fine. Oh, yeah. And then he goes back and he takes this guy Music down. swells. He puts the guy, the guy like, in a sleeper hole. Right. The guy the like, tries to- Do you like, think he killed him? I don't know. No, isn't there a news story about him getting arrested? Yeah, I think he incapacitates think? him. Because there is some news story over the radio, and like Spencer Tree Clark looks at David Dunn. It's the newspaper. And he like nods yeah. at him right. over the news. I guess I was whatever. just thinking, like, did David call the police after he put him in a chokehold? Because he, he undoes uh, the woman who's on the radiator. Yeah. She right. falls over. Maybe right. she's not going to call the police. The Maybe kids he calls are awake. The police. But do you leave two kids who are just chained up by this man in an orange jumpsuit with the orange jumpsuit man? How? No, he what? stayed with them. He watched them Dragon Tail. Because he and wasn't around when the police came. When the police he bounced. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, the mother is also deceased. The mother's well the dead. Father. The father's dead. It's yeah. three kids. The oldest one he seems to have been abusing. Sexually, oh, and the other two. The woman and the radio is an older is, woman. Uh, I also daughter. used to yeah, think it was older. the mother, but I realized this time in the newspaper no, headline well, that it changes says, everything. Mother and daughter, mother and father found dead, three children alive, tortured now. So um, he, he so spins he the newspaper around. Moment. Yeah, he's, yes, he yeah. makes the dents in the wall. The music swells. I like that moment a lot because it's like he's, he's doing it. He's fucking doing mm-hmm. it. He's fucking. He's, uh, Something's he's happening in this movie. It's a miracle. And then he goes to meet Mr. Glass at his gallery opening. Yeah. And Mr. Glass is like, well, son now knows it, that everyone's admitting that he's yeah. a superhero. Oh, oh we're skipping over what his this mom is talks. Literally, to... my favorite moment in the film. What? He comes home after saving those children. Sure. Breakfast. And Robin Wright Penn is sleeping, uh-huh. and he picks her up from the bed, and 
James Newton Howard plays a very good sort of sprightly version of his theme. Just plucking the piano, going dun, do, 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 dun, do, dun, do. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and he carries his wife back up to his bed for the first time. They're going to sleep in the same bed together. Sure. She lies in the bed next to him, and she goes, "What's wrong?" And he goes, "I had a bad dream." And they cuddle. It's nice because I like love, David. Mm. Yeah, it's I mean, a nice moment. It's nice. I like the hero theme plays over him carrying his wife because it's like this is the real heroic thing is re restructuring his priorities and becoming no, a family the real, man. The real heroic thing was saving. Yeah, kids. you're right. When he took wrong. out the jumpsuit, that was good. Yeah, yeah, that was really yeah. good. That guy was no good. That guy was no. He good. went into people's houses and killed them. I want to restate this. I don't like that guy at all. <laughs> he he is the worst person. The weird, the, the interesting thing about the movie is that he was trying to cuddle the guy in the orange jumpsuit. Also, <laughs> yeah, I had a bedroom. but it was an aggressive cuddle, so he that learned a lot. Yeah, right. Luckily, Audrey didn't <laughs> right. have to suffer the same right. thing. Right. You know, yeah. You take your first shot at something, maybe it doesn't work out. You learn from your yeah. mistake. He also, the first time we tried to cuddle Aud- Audrey, he accidentally put her in a sleeper hold. And yes. he was like, sorry, force a habit. I've been doing this all night. <laughs> but, this is, I'm the sleeper hold guy now. But, so, okay. So then he, he goes to Elijah, has like the comic book gallery show. This is the big It's the opening whisk. of a he new show. He talks to his mom, who's played by Charlene Woodard. Good uh, performance. Yeah, good actress. Yeah. And, and she has this whole, I mean, these monologues sometimes are just sort of like, now it feels a little goofy, where she's like, there are villains who don't use strength. They use their intelligence. Yeah, two kinds. What are you trying to say, M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> uh, and uh, then Elijah is back in his evil, like, lair with computers Love and pipe it. bombs. Love and, like, it! <laughs> you know, news clippings on the wall, like Ben said, of every natural disaster that ever happened. And his getup looks more super villainy. Like, his outfit yeah. is so, like, yeah. And we get to see him, like, conducting evil doer business right well he shakes his hand he goes i think this is where we part ways let's shake hands he shakes hands and then there's the immediate flashback to all the bad things he's done which is a terrible old man just divulging information about the building for 40 years you learn a lot of secrets yeah well like what (laughs) like if someone lit this hotel on fire everyone would die but you wouldn't do that would you (laughs) promise me yeah uh, a lot of things where he walks away from a lot of people dying. Yeah, he um, set a hotel on fire. He blew up a plane or something. Yeah. He sabotaged a yeah, plane. Yeah, the plane blows up, and everyone's freaking out behind him, and he's just sitting there. He just I'm just waiting away. for someone to be like, yeah. sir, do you know what's happening? I'm made of glass. I can't get up. But also, he didn't want to watch the explosion. Everyone else is facing in the same direction. He's sure. got his back to him. Yeah. He's, I know how it looks. That's the Mr. Glass version of walking yeah. away from, yeah, the, from the explosion. explosion. Badass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, then, and then Sam Jack gives a, a great monologue. He goes, now that you know who you yeah, are, I know it's what I monologue. am. Yeah. Uh, do you know what it's like to not know your places in the world? Sure. He's like, I'm Terrifying. a villain yeah. now. Right. right. I, I, I think I maybe know this entire speech by heart. But the big, the big the crux of it is he says, you know, and usually the hero, you know how you can always tell who the villain is. He's the exact opposite of the hero. And usually they're friends like you and me. I should have known David. I should have known all along. Do you know how? Because the kids, David, the kids, <laughs> they call me Mr. Glass. It's like he's talking to me. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, and then the the yeah. I like how pulpy the sort of like and uh, you do uh, I do the, the end titles sort of stuff I yeah. don't like those I like it I like how pulpy they are because I, I was about to say I actually like the ending of the movie a lot I like how the score is swelling I like Bruce Willis you know David is just like oh my God. Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> you're a maniac and he full on cries in that at that moment do you like when it freezes and says that's like, what we're I do oh, I, yeah. like I don't it. like okay. that. I like it I do I know it's I, I it do. says like David a, went on to be a great man yeah. yeah. Elijah was convicted of terrorism and yeah. sent to an institution for the insane yeah. or whatever, you know. David right. gave his orgasm a wife. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Orgasm <laughs> a wife. Jesus Christ, Griffin. He named Finally. his orgasm oh. a wife. Yeah, he did marry an orgasm. Actress, Mrs. So. Orgasm. Um, 
And yeah, such a mediocre joke. If no, I could it would have been a home run. Here's don't why worry. it would have been. Right? I do yeah. like the Chirons because it is almost like deflating the idea that this is a superhero movie where it's yeah. like, oh, that crazy person who did all that stuff went to jail. That's what I like, <laughs> like it's, and right it's like, away. And that's that's the moment where I'm like, oh, thank God he didn't make a sequel because as we said, he couldn't fight Mister Glass. Like he just punch him once and the guy's down. So I like it. Hammerhand like, man. What's the what's the hammerhand? What's the resolution of this? The resolution is the guy just went to an insane asylum because he's a crazy lunatic. David kept on being a good guy. Gave his wife and orgasm. Earlier, my mind wandered for a second to that scene. We we need. I just want to talk about Mr. Glass for one second. No, where sure. he's in the like comic book store. Love it. And he that's a in great a wheelchair. Scene. Where he's defiantly like what twisting his is, wheelchair. Like, what is the? What I think, think it's the like point of he that is? is emotionally bottomed out because he feels like I just lost? blew up my third major yeah. thing. Terrorists can be sad too, <laughs> and uh, uh, he thought David was the one, but like he's not. But we not... don't know that. We, we don't know. No, he yeah. says in the first scene, he's like, "I've waited a long time. I've had a lot That's of disappointments," true. and he keeps on saying, "Like first strike, second strike." He's like, "I have to be careful. We've gotten right. close before, and it's clear that like David is the closest he's ever come, the furthest a guy's come without disappointing him." So I think at that point he's like, "Fuck, it's, it's not going to happen. I have no purpose." It's in this just world. a great scene. I it's just hilarious. love the face he's making. He's making yeah. this like poopy baby face. He's yeah. in his. Uh, wheelchair. He's got like a leg, you know, broken leg sticking out. I'm trying to out. think of what comedy bit that reminds me of where like someone's out of control in a wheelchair <laughs> just knocking things over. Whoever, I don't know who's playing Sasha the Baron poor Cohen comic or Yeah, yeah. The guy's the, good. He's good. The guy who's playing like the comic book clerk who's like, for, can you just like, you They're know, not be jerking off to those Japanese this? anime. Yeah, right. yeah, comics. But then he's like, oh, I'm sorry, manga. you're in a wheelchair. And then he doesn't up. say manga. That's what, what jumped out at me is he doesn't <laughs> say manga. He says like Japanese anime comics. <laughs> He goes the long <laughs> way. He doesn't take the shortcut. Um, let's also note a lot of great merchandise on the wall at this comic book shop. It's a good merchandise spotlight. There's a lot. I mean, I love all the covers, the comic book covers yeah. in this movie, and yeah. just um, the detail. I, I mean, I guess some of them were designed for the movie, but there's a lot of nodding to like Watchmen. Yeah, and nodding yes. to all these comic books. Actually, I was reading um, on IMDb. So IMDb trivia is notoriously awful. Uh-huh. But you, you, you must, both of you must know that. Uh, According to IMDb Trivia, this is a very important fact, near the end of the movie, Samuel L. Jackson's character is sitting in his wheelchair below three comic book covers, Thor to the left, Daredevil to the right, and Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, Nick Fury was redesigned around this time to look like Jackson, and then Jackson starred with Thor in a movie. And as of 2015, and here's the trivia, there are rumors that Daredevil may meet Fury in the same universe. Wait a second. That's a trivia for this movie. Wait a second. Samuel Jackson plays Nick Fury. All right. Whoa! What a twist! I do want to say something. Like the two big uh, covers that they use Mm -hmm. as props are made up. Yeah. uh, And it's weird because, and I was just thinking, like, oh, well, they must have just not gotten rights to use like a Marvel or a DC. But then you see they create characters, right? And like, and it's a little goofy because, but anyway, Jaguaro. But then you see the Thor cover, so I was just like, I guess to make it more. Like drawing a direct line yeah. to control, him. yeah, yeah, like you can. It and looks I guess more like for, him. Yeah, and also I guess Shyamalan doesn't want to be like I'm making a Batman movie or I'm making a right. Wolverine movie or whatever. Like I guess he yeah. Yeah, wants to avoid. And really, why is the last connect. frame of this movie not freeze frame turn into a comic book? Illustrated. That's the. That's Why the doesn't shit. it go full Ang Lee? That's the. Sh- I was about to say. That's God, the shit Ang Lee love, went for. Love it. Three, four years later, like not that long. Two thousand three. Yeah, it was three years later. So yeah. you know, Ang Lee. Yeah, we and we will talk about that. And movie that, one that day. was the last time. Like these two movies were the last two times that filmmakers tried to like literalize comic books as a visual idea. 
like the actual layout of a comic book page into the movie. Well, Sky Sin, High Sin does City. it a little Sin bit. City. Ooh, oh, Sin CBGB City. though, oh, so good. Oh yeah, you told me CBGB <laughs> has fucking a uh, comic book motif, right? It's, it's it's fantastic. It totally fits in with the story. I highly recommend that film for anybody who hasn't seen it. Well, good thing that director is now in jail for <laughs> involuntary manslaughter. Hell yeah. Sometimes you shouldn't play on the train tracks. Oh, God. They gave him four- This is taking a dark, unbreakable-esque turn. Unbreakable. They gave him four years for involuntary manslaughter and one year for directing CBGBs. <laughs> that was the full sentencing. Um, okay, let's talk reception. So this movie comes out 15 months after Six Sense. Does Six Sense at the time that Unbreakable comes out in November? It's a Thanksgiving weekend movie. Big Thanksgiving weekend movie. Families go to see it. Everyone's happy, and <laughs> then Unbreakable. I want to point. It opens number two behind How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Behind the Grinch, which was juggernaut. The, was juggernaut. the number one movie that year. It was yeah. huge. It, it, it was a juggernaut, and its first weekend Unbreakable makes thirty million dollars. Good uh, opening, and it makes it forty-six million over like the whole Thanksgiving like week. That, you know, that's yeah. its budget. Right. Uh, it's budget 75. Jesus Christ. I know. M. Night Spared. No I offense. assume Willis and well, Jackson made a lot of money. Yeah, I think Willis got a full 20. But that, that and then speaks... 10 went to fucking Shyamalan. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's the thing. It speaks to just how long they probably shot this movie and mm-hmm. how much they could control it. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, I think, and you know, dream come true. each of those uh, comic book covers cost $5 million to commission. And that train scene that got cut. But huge. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They shot all of it. Huge. Uh, huge. They, they shot like a Super 8, you know, like, yeah. you know, 18 yeah. cars going he over. He actually it flies off like at the end of the Matrix at the end of this movie, but that got cut. He restaged an homage to Silver Streak where the train crashes through the train station. <laughs> and he got Richard Pryor to come back and reprise his role. He wanted this film to take place in the Silver streak averse And uh, they cut all of that. Um, the uh, SSU. Uh, so people liked this movie? People hated this movie? Well, I think uh, re- reactions were tempered. I mean, I don't remember being super well like critically. It did well. It did like $98 million. But it didn't do hugely uh, I, well. Yeah, I, I can tell you. Yeah, it made a total of ninety-five million dollars. Yeah, you know, fine. Uh, and then worldwide, you know, it collected another one hundred fifty-three. So it made like two fifty. Yeah, worldwide. Pretty it did well. well but pretty the, good for the a movie before this, that looks like this. But yeah, certainly the one uh, come this down three hundred million, and he got nominated for picture, director, screenplay, supporting right. actor, supporting actress, and this got a grand total of goose egg Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I think people viewed it as sort of being a sophomore slump, as being a you know sophomore slump Definitely. as a fourth film. But I mean, talk about hype that you could never met. Yeah, it was a classic. Like people, yes, people painted this as like a classic second album thing, right? Yeah, yeah where it's like, you know, he's out of the gate and like you know how how could he possibly eclipse it? And then he makes this weird moody movie. And, yeah, you know. And then I think we'll talk about signs next week. That's. Yeah, definitely shot him out of a cannon. Commercial yeah. Shot him out of a cannon yeah. in a different direction. Yeah. Than no, but signs is like. him trying to get the public back in his like at his table. A I crowd think. pleaser. It's a crowd pleaser. Um, I think this movie is not meant to be a twist movie. Um, it has a twist. I know it's framed as a twist. I know, but you think it was sort of guided I, I into the, that? I this is I think the difference. I think it is a movie that has a twist rather than a quote unquote twist movie. Because he starts to become known for twist movies. And Sixth Sense is a twist movie where you rewatch it, colors the whole experience a different way on the second time, right. and you know the twist. The fact that the mother says the surprise ending thing at the beginning, the fact that there's a lot of telegraphing, where even if you just watch it now, you're like, yeah, this guy's clearly positioned as a villain. You know? From the way he talks about the comic book cover at the beginning of the film. Like, there's a lot of foreshadowing. 
And it's not that you just go like, well, he didn't trust the audience. You know, he wanted to foreshadow it. He shows such restraint with that shit in Sixth Sense. I think he was like, this movie has an ending that is unexpected. There's like a twist, but yeah. my, my no. idea isn't to make a film where the ending fucking shakes the foundations it's, of your look, beliefs. It's not a Sixth Sense style twist, but it's a twist. It's a decent twist, actually. It's a decent twist. Because it does kind of complete the sort of arc of the movie where you're like, yeah. oh, right, he needs a nemesis. And like, yeah. that's cool. Like, it's a good idea. I like right. the twist fine. But yeah. I do agree with what you said, Matt, that I think every scene in this movie is kind of a twist. I think it's more of a movie of like, you don't know where it's going. It's a reveal. It's right? a reveal. It's not a twist. Exactly. A twist nice is like, word. aha, whoa. Yeah. And this is a movie like, Ah, uh, interesting. It's a reveal film. Um, you wouldn't go back and rewatch this necessarily to pick up on any like things you missed the first time. Right, which is why I hadn't seen it in uh, yeah. a decade. Yeah, unless you're Griffin Newman and you are certifiably insane, <laughs> renting a room out next to Mr. Glass. Um, you want to do a performance review? Uh, yeah, fine. We you haven't wanna... talked about the performances too much. I know there are a couple supporting ones we want to talk about. Bruce Willis. I love this performance. I think it's maybe his best ever uh, up there with the first Die Hard. Uh, here's what I like about it. Maybe it's a top five, Willis? Probably, but there's not too much competition. I like Willis. But I mean, good, you got Die great. Hard. To me, you've got Die Hard, you got kind of have monkeys. to group all the Die Hard yeah. together. Yeah. yeah. I think he's very underrated in Pulp Fiction. He's actually my Is favorite there... performance in Pulp Fiction. That's literally the stupidest thing you've ever said. On this I podcast. am a Bruce fan. Th- that's crazy. Think about, just sit down and yeah. think about Pulp Fiction's actors for a second. I remember Come watching on. it for the first time being like, why is everyone talking about Bruce? He's got a He's got a head. ball in his mouth for yeah. a big chunk of it. God, but he works that ball so good. I, I didn't <laughs> mean that in a sexual way. Samuel Jackson's in that, that movie. That. Yeah, yeah, he's good. John Travolta, Uma I, Thurman. I'm, I'm not a Travolta guy. Travolta irks me. I admit he's good in that movie, but I have, in that movie. I have I have right, Travolta we're not talking about fucking. Right. Okay, this is what I like. Things I like about Bruce Willis' performance in this movie. Number one, love that he shaved his head. Love that he's not wearing a stupid tube or painting his okay. scalp a different color. Tube? A tube. Anyway, carry on. Toupee. <laughs> I'm calling it a tube for short. I know what the word is. Okay, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm being fucking familial. Okay, okay. You know? Go on. He's not wearing a tube, David. Okay. And it's not even like he's like, well, I'm just trying to make it look like I shaved it for like aesthetic reasons. He's got enough stubble that you can see like dude's rocking a donut. I'm just going to look like a guy. Yeah. I'm going to look like a guy who works a security job and doesn't have good hair. Right? All right. I guess he has that. hair in six cents. He yeah. does. He has a yeah. funny, funny, weird sort of side parting. Yeah. And he had done... Pulp Fiction and 12 Monkeys, full shave. Yeah. And then he was like, eh, maybe I want to have hair again. Sure. And then like Armageddon, he has that like bleach So your job. whole performance to him no, is just the hair? that was point one. Bruce, <laughs> bearing his up soul? on the hair choice. He's bearing his, his dome. Scalp. Yeah. <laughs> I, like a, I like a you know an actor with a lot of vulnerability. and uh, To his head. Yeah. yeah. Um, thing I like, number two. I think Bruce Willis is a very sad performer. I think he is a Can sad be. man. I think the best Bruce Willis performances use that to their advantage, right? He's charming. He can be a quipster. But when you just have him quip, it's like, who fucking gives a shit? I disagree. I love him quipping. But but I think quip, it needs quip, quip. I think it needs to have an undercurrent of like remorse and disenfranchisement. Yeah, yeah he's good. In That's why Moon John Rise McClane's Kingdom. good. Well, yeah. yeah, Moonrise Kingdom, he's another sad yeah, man. Yeah, John McClane's a great yeah. I mean the first one where he's like yeah. a divorced guy. He's great. a real guy, and it's like I think Bruce Willis is good at um emotional men who don't know how to express their feelings. Okay, thumbs up from you, Matt. Do you Big think thumbs up, one of his best well, I can say it's very best. realistic because I was very sad about moving from Philadelphia to New York ah. and leaving my woman at the time. But then I, you know, I went through, I went in a different direction. Did you go to college? Was this when you moved? Yeah, I went yeah. To college. Yeah. But, 
know, goodbye high school girlfriend. I was in the exact same position. I'm unbreakable, so it was the exact same. Right, you had the car crash, you faked as, your injury. Yeah, yeah. it was a year in I was going to play football <laughs> professionally, <laughs> yeah. um, but decided to go to film school. So it was yeah. a very hard, very realistic performance. I do like the idea that, of course, he'd be great at football. He's unbreakable. Yeah, he's a, like, he's yeah. an unbreakable. Have you ever heard of unbreakables? <laughs> Those people who are unbreakable? Well, he's one a, of them. That's the thing. If you get in a car crash and you're not hurt at all, does something start dawning on you and like, wait, I can, no. I can both love her because I'm not going to get injured and I can play football. You push it down, deep yeah. down. It's like a somatic. I think he truly believed he was injured. Samuel L. Jackson. Great. I think it's great. What do you think? He's just uh, crackling up there. Although yeah. we were talking about the scene where he's he's chastising the, the customer. The, yeah, the, and that, the, that the rich awesome. customer. And the final monologue is fucking good. Yes, star. this movie could be much sillier, and it's yeah. not because Samuel L. Jackson loves comic books in real life and yes. uh, turns it into poetry mm-hmm. here. But look, he is putting one single thinly sliced piece of ham on top of the dish. He knows yeah. just the right amount of ham to put on it. You know? Yeah. He's not giving you a ham sandwich, but it's chicken cordon bleu, and you're taking a bite, and you're going, mm, little ham in there. Little purple suit helps. Yeah. I'll disregard that ham until later, and at the end he goes, surprise, there was ham throughout the dish. I am a villain. Robin Wright. Love it. Good. This was- You love all these performances. I think they're all I pretty good. I also, I love her. I wanted her more. Yeah. Because she, she is really good. She, she seems okay. broken yeah. in an authentic way, mm-hmm. but I wish she had a little more- I don't know. Could have been a very, uh, very color. rote character because yeah. it's, it's it's a very familial. I'm familiar glad we saw her, her job. Yes, that's good. Me too. I like seeing people be good at the things they do and liking yeah. their work. Um, but I like her. I like her scene where she asks him if he uh, was ever with any other women, and it's he, so good. Uh, he's just like silent for like eighty minutes, and then he's like, "No," and she starts crying immediately. It's great. Well, and she says, uh, "It's fine, no matter what. Whatever the answer is, it's fine. I just have to ask you this question. It's not going to hurt me either way. So just be honest with me." And then the second he says no, she like breaks down into tears. Right. No cuts. So he's like really showing off that like Robin Wright didn't like do the first half of that scene and then go like, "Hey, I'm Knight. Can I have 30? And then like listen to you know while my guitar gently weeps and like cut some onions and then cry. Like she had to fucking do it on a dime. It's real acting. She brought it. I love her. I think she's one of the prettiest ladies of all time. I think she's a very, very underrated actress. Gorgeous woman. Wow. I mean, Princess Bride, Robin Wright. Mm. What does it say about me? I weirdly find her most attractive in this film. That's weird. I because no, she's, she's a lunatic. Normal. I mean, she's yeah. very pretty like, and she's I, very normal. She's I agree not being with you. dressed up. Yeah, but I, I mean, I do sexually fetishize normalness. Okay, Spencer Treat Clark. As Joseph Dunn. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Which is weird. My I, my name is David. My brother's name is Joseph. And the characters yeah, here are David uh, and Joseph. Is this a yeah. twist? <laughs> and your mom used to be married to Sean Penn. <laughs> oh Interesting. That's terrible. Okay. Uh, Spencer Tree Clark. He's all right. Yeah, Sean Penn's kind of the guy in the orange poncho. It's thing. a hard yeah. thing to do after Haley Joel Osment, You know, right? I just saw him. It's very hard to do after yes. Haley Joel Osment. He still kind of looks like... Yeah, that he has this sort of very uh, distinctive eyes and weird look. Bobby Durst eyes. Just saw him in Agents of Shield. He's still around. He's Spencer still around. He was in Gladiator. Is he yes. still playing an eight-year-old or still playing eight-year-old? God, this was a big year for him. Gladiator and Unbreakable came yeah, out in the same year. Yeah. Who did he play in Gladiator? The Tiger. He's the kid. He's like he's like <laughs> <laughs> he played John Hansen. <laughs> he's Oliver Reed. Uh, no, yeah. he, he did Oliver Reed's stand-in wow, stuff after he died. Incredible. No, he's like a uh, Connie Nielsen's, Nielsen's son. kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh, um, right. Yeah, uh, he's fine. I don't know. I think he's good. Um, I do remember at the time people being like, oh, new kid. I bet the kid's the key to the next Shyamalan movie. And so, like, when the kid ends up just sort of being, like, a side thing. It sucks because Spielberg, obviously Shyamalan's idol, steals Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Sure. 
and then gets the best performance gets out of this kid. Yeah, yeah Shyamalan gets. Yeah. But then Shyamalan gets Breslin, Abigail Breslin in the next one. Yeah, and uh, Rory Culkin. Yeah, 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 Rory. Not bad. Uh, uh, yeah. So other uh, Charlene Woodard is the, as Elijah's mother is very good. She's excellent. like an experienced like state. She's a playwright. She's yeah. a great actress. Eamon Walker. Eamon uh, Walker's the doctor is cool. The only other, I mean, down you know the ER doctor in the uh, scene with Michael the, Kelly is Michael Kelly. You know from like House of Cards and stuff. This movie's missing a Wahlberg. Oh, Why this movie is could use Wahlberg a, not missing a Wahlberg janitor guy? The one the they should at least go to a Wahlburger's location. One of the scenes could have been set at a Wahlburger's. Why isn't the yeah he could have been a janitor at a Wahlburger, <laughs> chaining people to Wahlburgers? I don't know Wahlburgers. Um, uh, Wahl- and we should wrap up. Yeah, but, well, yeah. David, let's, David, let's there is one performance that you texted to me. No, I'm not fine oh, in this movie. It's a good, stadium drug the properly oh, sized role. Oh, you There's mean one the, the babysitter? That, yes, you identify as your favorite performance of the film. Said you want to talk about. That's why I went to performance. Michaela. Michaela Carroll. Here, I have a screenshot of her. Um, it's a great little scene. Here she is. She's so good. <laughs> where is she the babysitter? Yeah, yeah. Where she reports to them that like he got news of a job in New York the after their date, I think. Yeah. And she's like, by the way, thanks for telling me you're moving to New York. Geez, great guys. I mean, like she seems like <laughs> like she's losing work. It's it, funny. It, she, it's a weirdly funny little moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and Bruce Willis, of course, is like a dead like zombie man, and he's like, no, giving the performance good. of a lifetime. What what other I uh, think flesh golem? Did I call him a golem? Already? Yeah, that was a, yeah. that is Once very again, accurate. I thought yeah. you were referring to M Night himself. Um, it, what else has she done? Have you looked over on IMDb? Oh, oh. I don't uh, Insumation, um, uh, best movie of all time. Wow. Um, so you, you came back around. I downgraded a little bit. I still love this movie. It's hard for me to be critical. Good. I really think it's excellent. I don't think it's perfect, but I like this combination of highbrow and lowbrow. I like. really did almost nothing else. With really? Kelly That's Akira. a bummer. I'm going to write a comeback picture She for was her. in a movie called Cerebral Print, The Secret Files, as a character called Diamond. That one is probably not a good movie. Yeah, but you know what? She <laughs> is very good in that. I will give her that. She is very good. Diamond is the breakout character. Here is the cover. There Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. Do you notice the website underneath? Uh, 855films.com. But it looks like ass, ass films. films. <laughs> <laughs> the font they used was quite unfortunate. Uh, it's blocky to begin with, so the five looks like an ass. Okay. Okay. Um, now, I have to offer, uh, I looked up uh, any news regarding Unbreakable 2. Okay. And it looks like M. Night Shyamalan was interviewed by Collider. And uh, it's not confirming anything, but uh, I'll just give you some of his uh, quotes here. Uh, So he says that uh, during the time uh, when he was initially pitching to Disney, Disney said, and quote, comic books, there's no market for comic books. (laughs) How wrong they were. That's all they make now. It was a hilarious conversation. (laughs) What wretched fools they be. I mean, that's the most fascinating thing about this movie. We gotta wrap up, but yeah. like, the, in context now, like, you can't believe like this is a superhero. Maybe, movie. No. maybe Poncho Man can show up to the final, the Infinity War. Yeah, maybe he'll be in the Please. Infinity Let's War. Let's call him Unbreakable. Maybe the fifth Infinity Stone is in Philadelphia. Disney does own Unbreakable, though. <laughs> it's uh, all I guess so, they could yeah. work it into the Marvel Cinematic. As long universe. as Ultron doesn't make it rain, Poncho Man will be there. Right. And the the point he does make. <laughs> Too is that I think it, it would be interesting to see this sequel in That's in funny. the market today because it's so yeah. different than all the comic book movies that it are would have to look out. more like today's comic book but, movies. Also, Hammerhand, <laughs> but like fucking Samuel Jackson's like in his late sixties now, yeah. right? Bruce Willis is getting pretty old. I don't now. know if we need another Unbreakable movie. Um, I uh, my friend Jordan Fish used to say that he thought if they made a trilogy, it should be called Unbreakable. 
And then the second film would be called Breakable. And the third film would be called Broken. Good arc. I like that. I, I thought about Unbreakable, Broken, and then Rebuilt. Oh, yeah. Hey. Classic Although if it's Shyamalan, it's going to get sadder. Right, that's sadder. what I'm saying. Yeah, right. Make it sad. Uh, I like this movie. It defined my sense of cinema a lot. I watched it today. It feels a little more uh, blunt. And, yeah, like a, uh, like a junior grid movie. Yeah, but as a kid, it was like, oh, this is how movies work. This is what movies for grownups are sort of like, but it's still about kid stuff that you like. A varsity good movie. Yeah, and I you just, like sad people. I, I just, as we wrap up here, um, this movie, you know, you guys are running a comedy podcast. Yeah, about well, uh, well, wait a second. It's been redefined, reclassified on iTunes under TV and film. Well, so. let me just say, it's We're a pretty CB it's a funny, it's a funny yeah. podcast. And I, was, I was watching a break when I thought there's a lot of, there are a lot of joke opportunities here. So I wrote You some, did some punch up. I wrote some unbreakable jokes. Okay. I just wanted to oh, test them out. This is Let's great. Okay, I love this. Great. Ready, ready? This is like, Ben, this is like your kind of corner. Yeah, I so love this. This is this like, is great. this is real true comedy. Okay. I think about using an Stand-up set, okay. maybe. Here. So this section is like called, this new segment called jokes. Matt's Serious Joke Cut. Okay, yeah. okay knock, knock. Uh, who's it? Haley Joel Osment. Haley Joel Osment, yeah. Ha! This is the first time anyone, no one remembers Haley Joel Osment, <laughs> and everyone loves Spencer Trait Clark. That's a pretty funny one. Right? That's like, good. Okay. It's a good start. Okay. Okay. You started go. strong. Thanks. Thank I'm going to do that Don't for do every that. Joke. Don't do that anymore. I'll do different sound effects. Here's the second joke. Ready? Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? David Dunn. David Dunn who? David Dunn who? I'm the only survivor of a massive train crash. I'm fucking unbreakable. <laughs> All right, here's here's the third and final joke. Get ready. I hope it's an knock-knock joke. It's another classic three-act structure here. Yeah, perfect. It's, um, it's breakable, breakable, broken. Knock-knock. Who's there? Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass who? Ah, open the door. I just broke my hand from knocking because I'm Mr. Glass. No, 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 no. That was good. That, that, was, was, that, was, that a was the great, best one. Great Thanks. twist. You got to finish strong. Great twist. <laughs> you got me twisted. Um, merchandise spotlight. I have, no. No, I have thrilling news for our audience. Okay, you got the Ray figure. I found one. Okay, good. All right, now you, you can don't, shut you don't up have to send it. me toys. He's been trying to get Where'd this you fucking get it? reaction. I ordered it off Amazon. It was on stock at Amazon for like an hour. I had an alert for when it went back in stock. That is insanity. Yep. <sighs> Toys. Good thing I'm complete as a human being now. <laughs> yeah, but how many unbreakable toys do you own? None. Do they ever? No. no. Yeah. No. I would. No. I would buy a Mr. Glass for zero dollars, but I'd, I'd have one. Them. There's not like a 14 inch uh, maquette of. Uh... <laughs> That's all I want. I've looked for any fucking piece of merchandise. All um, right, guys, we gotta wrap this up. Thank you for listening. It was wonderful to have Mr. Matt Patches. Thanks, everyone. Read Thrillist. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Listen Thrillist to is great. Uh, it's Fighting honestly, in the War Room. Check out Thrillist.com, man. Yeah. It, it's a thrill. It's, you're and doing, there are lists. Do, yeah, yeah, doing cool lists every day. I click every day now on those damn lists. Your kids like lists, right? The best kind of lists, though. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Thrilling There's lists. a lot of cheap yeah. lists down the no, internet. No, it's a good yeah. list. These thrill. Yeah. Uh, next week, we will be covering the motion picture signs mm-hmm. with... Murph Meyer and Diana Kolsky yeah, on board. of Menage a Trois. Yeah, boy, are, those are, two dirty birds. There's a couple dirty birds. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, they've had sex. All right. All right. They've had sex with each That's other. That's enough for that. And They're also married. some other people. They're married and they have, they All have right. sex okay. with Okay, okay. This is not how I want to end this podcast. Is there anything else? No, I think That's we covered we're, everything. We're, we're right keep there. reviewing, okay, rating, subscribing. Uh, thanks for your support. Thanks again to uh, Raymond Montgomery. Keep sending in your suggestions for merchandise yep. that you guys want. Like setting up that shop. We're setting up that branded. shop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's yes. Please, please send in your fan fiction. We're looking for people who are shipping David, myself, and Ben in any combination. With any number of our guests. Oh, God. So if you have art, <laughs> they didn't if sign you've written for that. stories. Can I write fan fiction about 
me yeah. with you guys? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah right. We're, we're going to turn it yeah. into a comic book. Blank check yeah. pod. Me, uh, is it blank check podcast at, at gmail.com? Blank check podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Blank check pod. On Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we do not have a MySpace page yet, but we're working on it. We'll get there. Friendster, we're waiting for approval. But we're going to be at all the cleared. outlets. Yeah. Um, you can download us on your Nokia N-Gage. All right. Anyway, um, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank yeah. you. Uh, we're yes, going to start releasing episodes fun. on Hit Clips format, so if you can and, get some Hit Clips. And as always. And as always. I don't know. They call. They... They called you Mr. They, Boss. No, I was going to say they called me Mr. Ass Films. I was going to try to tie it back into the Ass <laughs> Films thing, but then I wondered if it was too much of a reach, and they, it was. They called you Mr. Ass They called me Mr. Ass Films. All right. Thank you. Go to www.assfilms.com. No, it's 855. Okay, but if you go to Ass Films, you might have more fun. Stop! This movie's about butts. Stop! Butt movie.